Hello, everybody. This is Larry Turnbull with ACB Radio. With me is Kelly Egan from Sprint. Hello, Kelly. Hello. How are you today? Doing great, and thank you for being an Emerald sponsor for the 2017 American Council of the Blind Conference and Convention. Sprint is honored to be a sponsor once again. We always have a great time at your conventions. Absolutely. We enjoy it. Well, let's get right into it. And what is uh, Sprint doing these days to continue their commitment to uh, their customers uh, that are blind? or have low vision? Well, thanks. That's a great question. So Sprint continues to be really focused on building um, applications, working with um, manufacturers, and working with our customer care team to ensure that we have accessible devices and affordable plans and extraordinary customer service. And by that, um, I can explain a couple of the things that we do. Um, For one thing, we we have customer service that is specifically focused on supporting people with disabilities. So there's a specific phone number that our customers um, that are blind or low vision can call and they'll get a resource to support them that is um, prepared to talk to them about their specific needs and if they don't have the answers, we'll go to the end of the day until they do find the answers. So it's a really supportive and um, um, prepared team when you call in and ask for some help and need you know some help to keep moving forward using your device. And for for the affordable plans, we've got great unlimited freedom plans. Um, so they are um, unlimited everything. They're at good prices. And for the blind and low vision community, uh, there's a discounted on non-promotion plans. So you can also save a little bit of money um, because you're part of our community. I am blind and I'm low vision, actually, and uh, am part of the community and take advantage of those things as well. That's great. And also, I hear you're hiring a blind and low vision contractors. Uh, what program is that? Does that have? Um, yes, we are. That is under the Brit Vision program, and so I have contractors who basically do um, what I do in local geography. Um, so they go to you know state conventions or local agencies, um, vocational rehabs, blind schools, etc., and talk a little bit about Sprint on a more local level uh, to help them understand that we have great support and great plans and also be able to maybe give some suggestions on um, devices to use, applications to use for the blind and low vision community, and um, and so on. So these people are working for me on a part-time basis. Um, we're recruiting from the blind and low vision community because we feel like we get it. We get the challenges, we get the requirements, and we get the ideas in terms of how to support um, the community. Okay, with the uh, different devices out there, I take it you guys support uh, both the iOS and the Android arena with all the different devices they have out there? Yes, we certainly do. And um, we also have a uh, recently introduced flip phone called the Go Flip, which is sort of a hybrid of a smartphone and a flip phone. So it has a little internet um, capability and searching capability, and yet it's simple like a flip phone. So that's something that um, we've been asked for quite a bit in terms of, you know, if I don't want to smartphone and a flat screen, you know, what else is there? So we're 
excited to share that uh, with our community because for some people, that's the best answer. Otherwise, we certainly have um, all the Android devices as well as, of course, all the iPhone devices. And on those devices, we <clears throat> can make recommendations of applications that would um, serve a blind or low vision customer. Excellent. Is there any other programs that Sprint is doing specifically for the blind community that you want to talk about? Well, actually, you know, we are we do a lot of work at trade shows. Um, so, for example, we'll be at the upcoming ACB show in Reno, and <clears throat> and we'll have a retail store representative there as well. So that we're basically bringing the store to the community. Um, so when people come by the booth, if they're interested in upgrading and or um, uh, buying or becoming a new Sprint customer, we can take care of that right at the show um, so that there's not a requirement to go to a store and, um, you know, get your device and phone set up so we can get you all set up right at the trade show um, or at the event. So that seems pretty convenient. Uh, the other thing we're doing is we've just re- created um, some Sprint Blind Low Vision videos that we're going to share among the community, um, which also feature blind people um, using their phones in various uh, situations um, that we do every day, whether it be work or going to a coffee shop or going to the park or whatever it might be, but just um, showing the importance of independence um, that our, our whatever uh, smartphones support. That's great. Uh, I was actually going to touch on that, um, but since you already have, uh, I want to dig more into <laughs> the uh, freedom plans. Uh, what do the freedom plans include? They include unlimited text, unlimited talk, and unlimited data. And they also include a free hotline. Based on the number of lines you um, have, the cost per line is reduced based on um, the more lines you get, the more the price goes down. So uh, it's great to bring a couple of people or a family in, um, and then everybody, you know, ultimately gets a reduced cost. That's always a good thing. Get as much as you can for as little cost as possible. Yes, absolutely. If anybody wants to find out any more information or have questions, uh, where would they go? They could go to... um, www.sprint.com slash vision and that is an accessible website for people who are blind or low vision and they can buy their device on the site or they can call me at 720-988-6744 or they can go to a local retail store. If they call me, I'll make sure that the retail store is ready to greet them. Yeah, that's uh, great because I know one of the most frustrating things that uh, blind individuals will run into is they'll go to a retail store of any kind and the person doesn't have any idea on how to help them or know anything about uh, the accessibility tools they may see. So uh, what is Sprint doing to make sure that all of the stores out there in the field uh, are ready for someone like uh, that blind originally prepared? Well, we're providing training to the stores. They're joining us at these events, so they get a lot of um, hands-on experience. And then it really helps if someone contacts me first so I can work directly with the store before they go in. So we're sure that the manager is aware <coughs> and ready to um, support that person and provide the right um, plans as well as devices. Okay, is there anything else? Else, uh, that we haven't discussed that you want to make sure that our listeners know about? Um, just, you know, the, the overall commitment. Um, Sprint's doing it. We're at all these events, and we really want to see you and want to make sure 
that you get, you know, the best situation and that we can help you connect with whoever you need to connect with. Strength's got your back. Excellent. Well, that's uh, a lot of great stuff. We'll definitely look forward to seeing you around the 2017 convention. And thank you once again for being Emerald's sponsor. Hello, this is Larry Turnbull with ACB Radio. And with me is Joel Moffat of Comcast. And as everybody knows, Comcast has been the leading uh, cable provider to provide the uh, voice guidance software. They were the first ones to do it. So without further ado, welcome, Joel. Thanks, Larry. It's good to be here. Good to talk to you again. Thank you, yes, and thank you for being a sponsor for the American Council of the Blind uh, 2017 conference and convention. And uh, you bet. Very good. And so we'll get right into it. Uh, so what is uh, Comcast got going new uh, since they released the uh, voice guidance software for their X1 boxes? Sure, I'll tell you all about it. Well, uh, so first of all, uh, as you probably know, I'm the customer experience lead for our accessibility team here at Comcast. So uh, as we iterate and innovate on our product, uh, particularly our X1 operating system, that's our latest, greatest cloud-powered set-top box operating system for, for video entertainment and really aggregating all of our services right on the TV. Uh, so as we work to improve that product uh, you know, pretty quickly because it's cloud-powered, uh, we work to engage with folks like ACB and, and others to really get the perspective of our customers uh, as we're working to develop these features and, and not after, right? So take, for instance, voice guidance, which we launched a couple of years ago. That's our talking guide, essentially our screen reader for our X1 operating system. Worked very closely with folks from ACB and others to really what they need to look and what the blind community needed to get out of a feature like that. So I just want to say here that we really value those partnerships. We really value those customers' perspectives, and um, that's what really helped us to make this product great. So launched voice guidance a while back now and just continue to take that feedback on how to improve it, how to make it better, how to make it easier to get to accessibility settings throughout our X1 operating system and, and our other platforms as well. So uh, one thing I can tell you that's coming around the corner that folks I know have been pretty interested in uh, pretty much from the get-go is the ability to change the speech rate on our voice guidance feature on X1. So that's coming up very soon. All right, so because of stuff in the background here. Um, so, yeah, speech rate for voice guidance is coming around the corner um, pretty quickly. So you'll have the ability to choose from a couple of different modes, speed up the speech rate of voice guidance for folks who are used to using a screen reader on a daily basis. So when we launched the product, we wanted to put it in kind of a novice mode. So you may have somebody who uh, maybe lost their sight later in life and had never used a screen reader before. They would have wanted to speak a little more slowly, whereas veteran screen readers are going to want to have that speech rate jacked up a little bit, and we'll be delivering that very soon. Um, some of the other enhancements you can look forward to, or actually you can check out now if you're an X1 user at the moment, uh, is a voice command. So we've got um, a voice command now to turn voice guidance off or on. So what I mean by that is that you can just grab your Xfinity X1 voice remote, and just a couple of buttons above the OK button in the very center of the remote, there is a voice button. You can hold that down, and you can just say voice guidance, and it'll bring up the dialogue that says, hey, do you want to turn voice guidance on, or hey, do you want to turn voice guidance off, if you've already got it on. So just continually improving on the ways that there are to access 
uh, the different features we have uh, with regard to accessibility within the X1 operating system. Oh, that's perfect. Um, and, of course, uh, we know about the audio description option that's in there. Uh, what are the cable networks doing to get more of their stuff uh, available for audio description? Sure. Uh, video description is always a hot topic, so um, I'll answer that question in just a second. But to give you a kind of a holistic view of where we're at with video description on our side, uh, as I mentioned, we've got the voice guidance voice command to turn that off and on. So similarly, uh, we've recently been able to get the video description voice command. So if you just grab that remote again, press the voice button, go ahead and say video description, it's going to go ahead and turn video description off or on. So you can get to that quickly and easily without having to dig into the settings. Although, with the aid of voice guidance, you can freely go into settings and find accessibility settings and uh, set your video description preferences there, and that's where you would also do the, the voice-guided speech rate as well. So it's really nice to finally have that video description command. So if you can picture sitting down on your couch, um, maybe you're blind or you have low vision and nobody else is home yet, so you can go ahead and say, uh, just grab your, your voice remote there, say voice guidance to turn that off or, or turn that on rather, and then just go ahead and say video description to turn that on. And then from there, you can go ahead and say something like, show me movies with video description or shows with video description. And that's going to bring you right to a landing page where you can find a whole bunch of content that's available with description, stuff that's airing right now, stuff that's available on demand. Uh, that's a limited set of content right now, kind of working on fleshing that out a little bit. Uh, things like um, The Wiz Live, which NBC aired uh, back in 2015. That was the first live broadcast entertainment with video description. So um, that was pretty cool for us here at Comcast to work with NBC, the other side of our house, to get that done. And then uh, last year we did Hairspray Live, and along the way there we also did all of the primetime episodes of the Rio Olympics, which, Larry, I think you and I talked about last year. So we're just continuing to push for some, um, some innovative and interesting content like that. Uh, and also making it easier to get to the content um, that's already available there. So in terms of what content providers are doing to offer more description, um, just stay tuned. We continue to work with NBC. We continue to, to work with our um, video entertainment services division to you know work with the content providers and try to get more stuff with description on demand and just you know continue to work on the product to make it easier for everybody to find and, and enjoy. Great stuff, yeah. I am a Comcast customer myself, and I do enjoy the voice guidance and the video description and, you know, all the great features that uh, come with it. So um, one of the other things that's uh, interesting is um, sometimes when we get uh, – only one channel does it here in my area in Springfield, Illinois. Um, but when it uh, comes with the crawler with, like, emergency alerts, you know, like – you know, storm watches and stuff like that. It sometimes it gets to where it repeats a lot. And I was wondering if we're going to come with a feature where we can hit a button to say, okay, I've, I've heard the information you can stop now. Is there a function like that coming down the line soon? Sure. Yeah. So you're basically looking for a, like a shut up button on the voice guidance, right? Right. <laughs> like that. Yeah, sure. A lot of requests like that. And we listen to all of them. We get things in the backlog whenever we can. Um, 
you know, we hear a lot of things through our Accessibility Customer Support Center. So uh, as you probably know, we've got our Accessibility Support Center for customers with disabilities. And if you're having any issues with voice guidance or video description, you know, for our deaf or hard of hearing customers, we handle closed captioning issues for them as well. Um, operator services and directory assistance, you know, anything related to accessibility, you can go ahead and you can reach out to that Accessibility Support Center, and they can be reached at 855-270-0379. And you can also get them by email at accessibility at Comcast.com, and you can get chat support at comcastsupport.com slash accessibility. And not to overload you with information, but you can also find information on all this stuff at xfinity.com slash accessibility. So that team's going to be your go-to for handling any, you know, day-to-day issues. And, you know, often on those phone calls, we'll get a question like the one you just asked. And that team of, of frontline support agents is very tightly tied back to our team within, you know, product design and development. So we, we encourage those agents to deliver that information to us and say, hey, we heard this. People want, you know, speech rate adjustments for voice guidance. And we take that stuff seriously because, those agents are hearing from customers like you every day. So we, we keep a close ear on that and try to get things into the backlog wherever we can and get them right into the product. Excellent. So is there anything else that you want to tell, tell our uh, listeners about uh, that Comcast might be coming out here within the foreseeable future? Sure. I just speak to our mobile apps a little bit. Our team works with our uh, web and mobile developers pretty closely to um, you know drive accessibility best practices into their everyday work. So the apps you want to keep a, a lookout for are things like the Xfinity Stream TV app. That's basically X1 for your iPhone or Android device. So you can get most of what you would get on your set-top box right on your phone. You can download your completed DVR recordings if you know you're going to be without an Internet connection while you're on the road, and you can watch your favorite shows while you travel. Um, you can get a lot of live stations, even if you're out of home, uh, you know, watch on demand, all kinds of good stuff. And it's just a lot of the functionality that you, you probably come to love in X1. And then uh, in addition to that, we've got the Xfinity TV remote app that our, uh, our accessibility team and our QA folks have worked pretty hard on lately to make compatible with iOS and Android accessibility features. So the Xfinity TV remote app, essentially turns your phone into a remote control. So you can control your set-top box from your phone even if you're far away from your set-top box. So what's great about that is if you picture using an iOS device, you would go ahead and fire up VoiceOver, and then you would open up your uh, Xfinity TV remote app, and then as you move your finger around the screen, of course, VoiceOver is going to announce what buttons are in focus, and you just double-tap to do that button. So you essentially have a remote control that's then able to tell you um, what buttons you're working with. And not only that, your phone's probably usually in your pocket, right? So you don't have to worry too much if the, uh, the, uh, the, the hardware remote is, you know, down between the couch cushions. Ah, that sounds great. Yeah, that, that's a uh, pretty interesting device and pretty interesting apps to uh, be able to access all that with. Yep, and we're always working on it, always trying to improve. So we always appreciate the feedback and, um, you know, love hearing from ACB's constituents and, you know, look forward to continuing to enjoy enjoy the conference and support you guys and, and, you know, enjoy the support of ACB as well. 
Excellent. Well, thanks for being on with me here on uh, ACB Radio for the 2017 American Council of the Blind Conference and Convention. And if there isn't anything else, uh, we can wrap it up here. All right. Thanks a lot, Larry. It's always Thank a you. pleasure. And, uh, always a pleasure. See you soon. Hello, everyone. This is Jeff Bishop, and welcome to the 56th Annual Conference and Convention of the American Council of the Blind, held this year in Reno, Nevada. Microsoft Corporation is a double-diamond sponsor of our convention this year, which we're very excited about. I had an opportunity to speak to Megan Lawrence. She works on the accessibility team along with Jenny LeFleury, who is the chief accessibility officer at Microsoft. And there's been a lot of activity happening at Microsoft in the area of accessibility. And Megan's going to fill us all in. So please help me give a warm welcome to Megan Lawrence. Hello, Megan. Oh, it's so great to be here with you, Jeff. Thanks again for your sponsorship this year, and Microsoft has been really busy and doing lots of great things. Can you fill us in on all things new at Microsoft? Yeah, fantastic. So my name is Megan Lawrence, and I'm the Accessibility Evangelist here at Microsoft. And, you know, we always look forward to coming to the ACB conference because we really value that time that we get to spend with the blind and low vision community. And in all honesty, it's our opportunity to hear, you know, what's working, um, hopefully what you love, but perhaps most importantly, what are those places that we can really continue to grow and improve? So our mission here at Microsoft is to empower every person and every organization on the planet to achieve more. Um, and, you know, and to us, that means creating and delivering technology that's not only accessible, but really usable for people who are blind and low vision. Um, but in order to live into that mission, we need to the participation of the blind and low vision community. So that means we want your partnership. We want your feedback. We want to know um, the places that we can continue to improve our products. So there's a couple ways that people can get involved. One of them is through user voice. Um, I know all of you out there have great ideas for brand new features or functions or even products. So we'd love to hear about it. And that's at aka.ms slash user voice. Now, for those of you out there that like to be on the forefront of technology and really um, help Microsoft shape the way that accessibility is built into our products and services, we'd love to have you become a Windows or an Office insider. Um, insiders get products before they are released to the general public and have the ability to really help us shape what those look like. Now, we know that accessibility is a journey, right? And we're in it for the long game. Um, we see this as a path to continue to improve current technology uh, and also push that boundary, right? Push the possibilities of what's possible for people who are blind and low vision, not only now, but really into the future. Um, for example, with the artificial intelligence, machine learning, and cloud computing. Um, and so I see that the ability for us to continue to um, improve in accessibility and create that inclusive culture, that happens when it's woven into the fabric of, of who we are as a company. And so I see that as sort of this two-pronged approach. One, we need and we have the commitment of our senior leaders. So we have people like Satya Nadella, who's our CEO, say things like, you know, we're focused on designing and building products that our customers love that are accessible to everyone and built for each of us. 
But we also know that inclusive culture comes from that bottom-up, right? Um, from the people inside of our company. And so we actively hire people with disabilities um, throughout the company. Because when you have one in seven people globally, and I always like to ground in that fact, with people that have disabilities, we want our company to reflect society. We want to have people with disabilities embedded into our teams and actively working on building accessibility from the inside out. Okay, so at Microsoft, we're really just a bunch of nerds <laughs> and our engineers like to make cool stuff. So for us, that means putting accessibility at the heart of inclusive design. Because when we do that, yes, we make our products and services accessible for people who have permanent disabilities, but we also make products and services accessible for people who have a temporary disability, like they had an eye injury or maybe they broke their arm. And in the long run, that things that have happened over the last six months, Windows 10 has had its creators update um, and now people who are blind or low vision can install Windows without sighted assistance. So we've got unassisted install. We also have um, Braille display so that you can interact with Windows. That's in a beta version and it's one of those products we'd love to get your feedback on. Uh, and last but not least, we also have mono audio. So this is great for people who may have partial hearing loss or one of those who likes to just wear one earbud at a time um, so that you can send audio into the left and the right channels um, so that nobody misses any sounds. In Office, um, we want to make it easy for everybody to create accessible content and for people who are blind or low vision to easily consume and share accessible content. So kind of going back to that idea of how are we using artificial intelligence and machine learning, one way we're doing that is through automatic alt text. So now when you pop a picture into, um, into PowerPoint, it will automatically generate that uh, image description for you. And then you can go in and look at that image description and decide, yep, that's good, I'd like it, or I'd like to change it. So it gives you that really that flexibility. But we know that that's high on lots of people's lists as an accessibility error, and we wanna take care of that automatically. Um, we also have moved the accessibility checker. So the accessibility checker is now in the review tab right next to the spell check. And it provides the opportunity for anybody to go in and evaluate their documents and see if they're accessible. We've got it in Word. We've got it in PowerPoint. We've got it in Outlook. Uh, and when you find that there are accessibility errors, we provide step-by-step -step instructions um, for how you can go ahead and fix that. We want to remind everybody that Office 365 has the latest uh, accessibility updates. We are not going to be backporting accessibility into older into older versions, and so we really encourage everybody to get onto Office 365. Now, at the end of the day, we recognize that everybody has an IT moment where they can use some help. So uh, if you find yourself in that situation, please reach out to our Disability Answer Desk. Uh, they're here to provide um, IT support and assistance, customer service for people with disabilities and for those who are supporting people with disabilities and using assistive technology. If you happen to be an IT admin or running a business, we also have the Enterprise Disability Answer Desk. And that's where we can really help you with some of those enterprise products and help you seamlessly roll out accessibility in your company. Now, I think it's a really exciting time to be in accessibility because at Microsoft, we believe that accessibility is 
that lends to innovation, right? As we invest in accessibility, we invest in personalized computing, in the ability for you to make your computing environment work the best in the way that you need it, as well as looking forward into natural user interface design. So here at Microsoft, we're happy to be part of the ACB conference, and we look forward to seeing you uh, stop by our booth or one of our talks. I know that there recently was a refresh of the accessibility website at Microsoft. Can you fill us in on those details? So if you go to microsoft.com slash accessibility, you can hear a little bit more about our, our story, find out what's latest uh, in our products and services, including Office, Windows, and you can also find conformance statements. So if you're one of those people who's looking for a VPAT or wondering how our products um, line up to uh, 508, uh, and the 508 refresh, uh, the EN standards, and WCAG. It's all there. That's great, as well as contact information for the Disability Answer Desk and Enterprise uh, Disability Answer Desk and just... And user voice. Yeah, and user voice, absolutely. Yeah, that's great. Well, Megan, thank you very, very much, and we're looking forward to another great year from Microsoft in lots of really neat innovation, and I'm sure uh, we'll be having you on Main Menu and other shows, so thank you so much. Thank you. Hi, everyone. This is Janine Stanley, and I am here today with Clark Rashful from National Industries for the Blind. We are going to be talking as part of NIB's sponsorship of the 2017 ACB Conference and Convention about your organization. So tell us, what is NIB? Many of us have heard of the organization, but we might not know the scope of what NIB does. Sure. NIB, or National Industries for the Blind, was created in 1938 as an an avenue of employment for people with vision loss to sell products to the federal government. Fast forward some 70 years and NIB is now a central nonprofit that coordinates with over 100 associate associated nonprofit agencies located throughout the country that manufacture and package and produce products to be sold to the federal government, as well as providing services, whether that's janitorial, call centers, uh, contract closeout, all cybersecurity, all types of stuff. Currently, the over 100 associate, associated nonprofit agencies that NIB works with and coordinates with employ over 5,800 people who are blind, um, as well as 115 blind and disabled veterans. And there are a number of opportunities for careers at NIB, um, not only in the manufacturing and kind of industrial side of things, but also in business management and, and other areas, correct? Absolutely. And there's a, a number of programs that NIB and their associate, associated agencies offer to employees who are looking to advance in their career fields. So, for example, this past week, we hosted our national symposium in Washington, D.C. A lot of agencies came out for the event. 
we also included the Employee of the Year celebration in this event. And there were 78 employees of the year from 48 different agencies. Some of those employees are also involved with, they, they've they shown an interest in public policy and advocacy work, so their agencies have nominated them to be ambassadors and advocates for NIB and the Ability One program, both in Washington and locally in their cities and states. So they are going through a formal public policy advocate training program. Um, in addition to that, several agencies and NIB offer uh, multiple business management training and other opportunities for employees to gain additional skills so that they can not only have a career, but advance in that career. So NIB is a lot more than maybe the conceptions of the blind community and the public would think. If people want to learn more about National Industries for the Blind, how can they do that? The simplest way to learn more about NIB is to go to our website at www.nib.org. And there you can find out information on the types of products and services that NIB agencies contract to provide to the federal government. You can find out information about the associated agencies closest to you. And that would be a great avenue to find out more, especially if you can get in touch with your local agency, go get a tour. And if it's something that appeals to you as a possible training or career path, then let them know and they'll see what they can do to get you involved. Thank you so much, Clark. This is yet another employment opportunity for people who are blind and visually impaired. And we thank National Industries for the Blind for your sponsorship of our 2017 conference and convention. Absolutely. Uh, next week will be my first ACB conference and convention. So I'm looking forward to meeting everyone and having a great time in Reno. Wonderful. Everyone, uh, introduce yourself to Clark. I'm sure that NIB will have a booth in the exhibit hall and at other events throughout the conference and convention. So please uh, say hello and thank you so much, Clark. Yep. One more thing. The mm -hmm. NIB breakfast is the morning of July 4th. So you will definitely be able to find me there. Wonderful. We'll celebrate our employment independence at that breakfast. Thank you so much. That sounds fabulous. Thank you, Janine. Here is the agenda for Thursday, July 6th. In the Rose Ballroom, beginning at 8 a.m., Entertainment, Deborah Lewis, Seattle, Washington. 8.30 a.m., Invocation, Denny Huff, St. Clair, Missouri. Pledge of Allegiance, JPMC Leadership Fellows, Anthony Akamane, Honolulu, Hawaii, and Laura Allison, Tacoma, Washington. 8.35 a.m., ACB Business. ACB Sponsor Recognitions, Marjorie Beeman, Advertising and Sponsorship Coordinator, Austin, Texas. Double Diamond Sponsor Presentation, Amy R. Furish, J.P. Morgan Chase. National ADA Coordinator, Columbus, Ohio. 
Emerald Sponsor Presentation, Uber, Malcolm Glenn, Strategic Partnership Manager, Washington, D.C. Emerald Sponsor Presentation, Comcast, Joel Moffat, Customer Experience, Lead Accessibility, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. 9 a.m. Resolutions, Mark Reichert, Chair, Arlington, Virginia. 10 a.m. Elections, 10.30 a.m. Break. 10.45 a.m. Elections Continued. 12 noon, Lunch Break. 1.15 p.m. ACB Business, 2.45 p.m. Break. 3 p.m. Old and New Business, 5 p.m. Adjourn. And that concludes the agenda for Thursday, July 6th. And that concludes the agenda of the 2017 ACB National and Annual Conference and Convention Program. Good morning, and we are in the final day of convention coverage of the 2017 ACB Conference and Convention. And we've got... uh, Quite a full agenda. We'll see if we can get through it. Um, I hear that Joel Moffat, unfortunately, isn't able to be here, the Comcast uh, presenter, as uh, his plane got diverted to Austin, Texas, for some reason. So we'll see how that's going to work out as we go through today and this evening, because he was supposed to talk at the banquet tonight, I believe. But anyway, I'm going to go ahead and bring up the house so we can finish out the entertainment. And then Kim Charlson will be getting things underway at 8.30 a.m. Pacific Time. That's 9.30 Mountain, 10.30 Central, 11.30 Eastern. So enjoy.
Good morning, everyone. Good morning, ACB Radio. Well, you are the ones who get the extra gold star, and the delivery of blankets was late, but you would have gotten one, but I think we might have be lucky today. Hopefully, where's, where's my wood to knock on? There we go. <laughs> All right. First, I want to thank our entertainment for this morning's session. Deb Cook-Lewis from Washington State. What a great job, Deb. Thank you. All right. Now, this morning for our invocation, I would like to recognize the president of the Missouri Council of the Blind, where we will be holding the 2018 ACB National Convention, and he's ready to go. He's going to go back next week and start making plans. They've been asking for months what they can do. So now when we finish here, we're ready to start planning for next year. So the man that's going to help us praying while we go along all the way is Denny Hoff. Denny? Thank you, Madam President, and good morning, ACB. It's really a privilege to be here this week and uh, to be able to lead in prayer this morning. So if you would, let's pray. Father, as we come to you this morning, we come with thanksgiving in our heart, thankful for the mercy, for the grace that you show us, Lord, for the many, many blessings that you give us. So many, Lord, we can't count them, and many that we don't even think of. Now today, Lord, as we conduct business, we pray for wisdom, uh, for guidance and direction. Lord, be with each one of us. Speak to our hearts. And Lord, we just ask that you be with all of us as we make these decisions. Be with those that are traveling uh, tomorrow and the next day, today even. Give them traveling grace. Give them a safe trip back home. And Lord, we just thank you so much for all your love, and especially for your son, Jesus. In his name I pray, amen. All right, Lori and Anthony, come forward. All right. And to lead us this morning in our Pledge of Allegiance, our J.P. Morgan, our last two J.P. Morgan Chase Leadership Fellows, Anthony Akamini from Honolulu, Hawaii, and Lori Allison from Tacoma, Washington. Come forward. Come closer. You're going to leave your... Here you are. Right around, huddle around closer. Here. Go for it. I pledge... Please stand. Please stand. Get closer to that mic. Okay. 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 For which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. This is a very self-actualizing group today. You are, you're going to lead yourselves. You don't need me. All right. All right, it's time to 
get our morning jolt of Marjorie Beeman. Wake up, everybody. Good morning. I don't know how organized I am, but anyway, I've been up since four at the airport, so you'll have to forgive me. Okay, I'm doing the sponsors today, the Double Diamond sponsors, AT&T, ACB Radio Streaming, Google, ACB Conference Banquet, Microsoft, ACB Radio Worldwide Broadcast, Vanda Pharmaceutical, ACB Educational and Recreational Events, and ACB Brenda Dillon Memorial Walk. Give them a hand. Diamond Sponsors, General Motor, Audio Visual Service, give them a hand. Emerald Sponsors, Comcast Volunteer Services, J.P. Morgan Chase & Company Performing Arts Showcase, and ACB Sparks of Enthusiasm Auction. Sprint, <laughs> Sprint Information Desk. Uber, Communication Center and Newspaper, Verizon, Conference Registration. Give them a hand. Oh, thank you. Ruby sponsors Adobe, ACB, Brenda Dillon, Memorial Walk, Audio Described Movie and Recreation Zone, Amazon, ACB Cafe, Humanware, Official Conference Program, Regal Cinemas, Kids Explorer Club and ACB Brenda Dillon Memorial Walk, BFO, official sponsor of all general sessions. Give them a hand. Our next sponsors, Charter Communications, ACB Life Member Reception, Facebook, International Culture Exchange Day, Macro Degeneration Foundation, ACB Brenda Dillon Memorial Walk, and Low Viz Guide Indoor App, National Association of Broadcasters, General Operations Support, National Industries for the Blind, ACB Marketplace, Buell Fund, Brenda Dillon Memorial Walk, and Recreation Zone, give them a hand. <clears throat> Topaz Sponsors, ACB Lions, Scholarship Student Travel, give them a hand. Coral Sponsors, Randolph Shepherd Vendors of America, Scholarship Dinner and Luncheon for Outstanding Blind Students, Cox Communication Incorporated, Student, Future, ACB Leader, or Young Professional, Spark Therapeutic Incorporated, ACB Cafe Day, July 2nd, and Information Access Workshop, Track Phone, ACB Cafe, July the third day, an advocacy training workshop. DQ Systems Incorporated, Derwood K. McDaniel First Timers Reception. Give them a hand. <clears throat> Pearl Sponsors, Disability Relations Group, ACB Cafe Day, July 4th. Discover Technologies Affiliate and Chapter Development Seminar. HEMS Incorporated, Luncheon to Recognize Outstanding Blind Students, Library Users of America, NLS Talking Book Narrator, BOM USA Incorporated, ACB Cafe Day, July the 5th. 
Give them a hand. Now as we're always getting in trouble because I mispronounce names, so forgive me in advance. We have another $100, which was not, uh, I think, yesterday. Penny Verti gave $100. And the ones I'm reading today are the $25 bronze sponsors. We have Anthony Akamine, Andrew Morocco, Mary Lou Morocco, Natalie Barrett, John Battlestoney, I'm off already, uh, Sally Benjamin, Kevin Burkery, Ann Brash, Marie Rhinus, Kathleen Brockman, Ann Byington, Michael Byington, Janet Carmichael, Elisa Christensen, Sarah Conrad, Christy Crispin, Denise Decker, Jay Dowdy, Kathleen Duke, Mike Duke, Marsha Farrow, Carol Francisco, Nanetta Garner, Jeanette Gerard, Jamie Gibson Barrow, Rochelle Hart, Stephen Hart, Cynthia Hawkins DeBose, Bobby Lynn Hawkins Lee, Eddie Hoffman, John Hoffman, Alvia Kanakala. Okay, I've got a lot today. But it's never too late to donate. Kathleen Kent, Donald Coors, Jerry Coors, Martin Kuhn, Cynthia Lebon, Alvia Erica, Leah Connell, Lordy Marcus, Susan Marazzi, DJ McIntyre, Tim Meyer, Rick Moran, Ellen Nolan, Andrea Pitsenbarger, Olivia Presley, Angela Rado, Carrie Reagan, Debbie Rosera, Sandra Rakana, Fran Sign, Lyle Sign, Joe Sorensen, Naomi Soul, Ellen Telker, David Trot, Rhonda Trot, Patricia Tessing, Richard Villa, Valerie Walters, and Luann Williams. Give them a hand. And Janet Dickelman asked me to announce, and this way we're sure we'll have enough shuttle buses so the people that leave tomorrow and Saturday, if you go to information desk and give your time that you're leaving and your flight that you're on, and they will make a note of that, and I'll see that it gets to the bell stand because they didn't want to keep up with it. We will make sure you get there. I've already been out at 4 o'clock this morning, and we'll be ready for you tomorrow at 4-2. Thank you, Madam President. Thank you, Marjorie, for all you do, for the sponsorships, for the coordination of travel, volunteers. Let's give one more hand of appreciation to Marjorie Beeman. Thank you. <laughs> Amy Furish? Okay. All right. We get to hear from some of our sponsors this morning. Um, and one of our Double, Di Double Diamond sponsors, J.P. Morgan Chase, you've heard o over the course of the, of the week all the support that we have received and, and appreciate so much from J.P. Morgan. And today, to talk to us about some of the activities they've been involved in, and they have been busy here at the convention, 
is Amy Furesh from J.P. Morgan Chase. She's the National ADA Coordinator. I still believe she's based out of Columbus, Ohio. So welcome, Amy. Good morning, everyone. Is that on? Okay. All right. Good morning. Is that better? All right. Good morning again. I am Amy Furesh, and I am the ADA National Coordinator at J.P. Morgan Chase, and I'm happy and honored to be attending the ACB Spark Success, your 56th conference and convention. This is my second time in Nevada with ACB, but first time ever in Reno. And I just have to say you all must like high desert, <laughs> the heat and the gambling, right? So, But I'm happy to be here. To kick off today's general session... I would like to update you on our accessibility focus across our firm. J.P. Morgan Chase strives to continue to treat all of our customers with dignity and respect. We also strive to provide customers with disabilities accommodations that will empower and result in accessible customer experiences with us. Now on to some specific updates on accessibility at our firm. At J.P. Morgan Chase, the past year has been exciting for employees with disabilities as the Office of Disability Inclusion was established as a global enterprise to provide senior leaders across the firm with consistent standards and processes to better accommodate our employees with disabilities, as well as better support employees who care for family members with disabilities. This includes ensuring that we have the right tools, policies, and procedures to promote an inclusive work environment. The Office of Disability Inclusion is built on four key um, items. It's, we are focused on attitude, accessibility, accommodations, and assimilation. And I was happy to hear from Eric that Eric has already met with the head of our Office of Disability Inclusion and his team, and we will further extend the collaboration between our two organizations. <laughs> the team of which I'm a part of and which focuses on providing customers with accessible products and services have been very happy to work with the Office of Disability Inclusion as our firm continues to support and empower both customers and employees with disabilities. I would like to share another exciting development, and this is the recognition that we received from the United States Business Leadership Network and the AAPD for earning a 100% score in the second annual Disability Equality Index Survey. Thank you. Um, the Disability Equality Index is a national benchmarking tool used to assess the overall disability inclusion policies and practices of a business. 83 Fortune 1000 size companies completed this survey in 2016, and 42 of these companies scored a perfect score of 100. I am happy to announce that J.P. Morgan Chase was one of these 42 companies and that this is our second year of being recognized as achieving a perfect score of 100. <laughs> and I am proud to work in an organization which actively supports and advocates for disability inclusion for our employees. Another activity where J.P. Morgan Chase is active is that we collaborate and sponsor research so that we're building knowledge about the inclusion of people with disabilities in the mainstream of the financial services industry and workforce. 
One collaborative relationship is with the National Disabilities Institute. The National Disabilities Institute presented its J.P. Morgan Chase-sponsored research, and this is a long title. It was the Banking Status and Financial Behaviors of Adults with Disabilities, Research on Findings from the FDIC National Survey of Unbanked and Underbanked Households. And this research showed that households headed by a person with a disability far exceeded the national averages as being unbanked or underbanked. On average, nearly 20% of all households are unbanked or underbanked. (coughs) However, unfortunately, this compares to close to 50% of households headed by persons with disabilities as either unbanked or underbanked. So as a follow-up to this research, um, we also, J.P. Morgan Chase also sponsored the National Disabilities Institute as it convened financial inclusion summit meetings in Seattle, Chicago, and Columbus, Ohio during 2016. The goal of the summit meetings was to understand the types of access that people with disabilities have to mainstream financial services. In each city, more than 100 participants from government, the private sector, and advocacy community gathered to discuss challenges and opportunities for advancing financial inclusion for people with disabilities. These events produced ideas and action steps <clears throat> excuse me, that can be implemented by disability organizations and financial institutions to advance the financial inclusion of people with disabilities in their respective communities. For example, a follow-up session in Columbus brought a financial empowerment specialist visiting from Seattle to facilitate a train-the-trainer session teaching the CFPB's course, Your Money, Your Goals. And the financial inclusion summit meetings continue in 2017, and there's a meeting, uh, one scheduled in August for Orlando, Florida, and the next city where we're... (laughs) All right. And the next city on our radar, then, is New Orleans, Louisiana. Okay. (laughs) Um, A a significant project with direct customer impact was the redesign of our website, Chase.com. Since last year's ACB conference, Chase.com was redesigned to take advantage of new technology and infrastructure by creating an enhanced customer experience, focusing on the digital functions that are used the most by our customers. I was delighted that at a recent conference that I attended, the ADA National Symposium, a speaker who was blind cited the Chase.com website as his banking website, and he shared how he can effectively transfer money, pay bills, and find a branch location. It was certainly nice to hear that the new site is working for him. J.P. Morgan Chase is committed to delivering accessible products and services to customers and employees. We support the mission and the work of the ACB and are happy to participate in the conference so that we continue to learn about the financial products and services that are important to you. Our digital accessibility team remains committed also as this is their third year of conducting one-on-one user studies. These are going on all day today. We conducted them all day yesterday, and we are, in fact, what it is is a one-on-one interview with one of your members having you tell us um, learnings about our website and transactions and things going on um, as uh, some of the development plans as well. 
In addition, this year we have an online survey for conference attendees to complete that will be sent out today. And we hope that you all will help us and complete the survey so that we receive your insight and feedback. I just want to thank you again for the opportunity to participate in ACB Spark Success Conference. Hope you are all having a great day and a successful conference that is going to, to collectively spark much future success between our organizations. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Amy. Thank you, Amy, and thank you, J.P. Morgan Chase. I am, I'm a J.P. Morgan home mortgage customer, and I think the website, I can do anything I need to do on that website, and I don't say that very often. So thank you for all you've done, and we truly appreciate it. All right. Our next um, Emerald Sponsor presentation is going to be from Uber. Yeah, Uber. And we're going to hear from Malcolm Glenn, who's the Strategic Partnership Manager in Washington, D.C., and he works a lot with ACB, with Eric and Tony, with me to some degree. Usually I'm writing about some issues, so he's very responsive, I have to say. He always gets back to me. It's great. So welcome, Malcolm, to ACB. Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing? That's a good response. Usually it takes two or three times for people to, you know, speak up, especially this early in the morning. So well done to this crowd. Um, as Kim said, my name is Malcolm Glenn, and I am a strategic partnerships manager at Uber in Washington, D.C., where I work with issue groups, organizations, nonprofits, organizations like ACB, particularly those that represent people who have historically had a difficult time getting access to transportation or work, or as the case is often, the overlap of those two. And I presented here last year, and I kind of gave an overview of how Uber worked. But I don't want to do that this year. I think at this point, people either know how Uber works, uh, they read about Uber in the news. Certainly, we've been in the news a lot the last couple of months. Um, been no shortage of headlines about Uber. Um, but in all seriousness, I think the last couple of months, and actually particularly the last couple of weeks, give us a really unique opportunity to begin to sort of change the narrative, turn the corner, and focus on some of the really great things we're doing around accessibility, some of the things that, we, that have become a focus for the company in the last year and a half to two years. But what I do want to talk about is where we were last year and where we have come this year. So when, we were, when I was in Minneapolis last year, we conducted a focus group with folks from all around the country, and I came away from that session thinking, wow, these people are thoughtful, they're engaged, and they have some really fair criticisms of the platform. Certainly they said it's changed their lives, I think it's had a revolutionary impact on the way I get around, but there were some real criticisms too. And so I came out of that session, went back to D.C., talked to my folks at headquarters who work in engineering, our operations teams all around the country, and I said, look, let's see what we can fix, what we can come back to ACB a year later and tell them that we addressed. So I wanted to outline a few of the big changes that we've made over the course of the last year, tell you about where we are, and then brief, briefly touch on where we're going, some of the exciting things that we're thinking about as the future rolls on. 
So last fall, we completely thought, rethought the way that our app works. We rebuilt it from the ground up. And a lot of tech companies say they rebuilt things from the ground up, which is really just sort of their way of saying, we've made some iterative change, but it's not that different. We actually really completely rethought the way that our app works. And so there were a couple of things that we were hearing, both from sessions here at ACB and across the country, which was that the app was just too confusing. There were too many options. And you know, when we started in 2010, there was just one option. You pressed a button, you got a ride. But since then, we've introduced things like UberX, Uber pool. Increasingly in cities around the United States, we have wheelchair accessible vehicles. In some cities, we have a product called Assist, which is a way to connect with the driver if you need just a little bit of additional assistance. So with the onslaught of new products has become more confusion and more complication. So it became clear we need to get back to our core goal, which is press a button, get a ride. Real simple. So that's the core experience behind our new app. The app starts with one question, which is where to. The question should just be, where are you going? And if we get it right, which we don't always, but if we get it right, you press that button, your car comes, you get in the car, you go where you're going, and it's seamless and easy and simple. So the new app does a couple of things. It remembers where you've been and how you got there in the past. So if you use one product more than other products, it will default you back to that product. And we've made getting around a little bit easier in a couple of additional ways, too we now allow for you to save locations that you frequently visit. We automatically suggest in the app the three most visited locations in an area when you get to that area, whether it's a place where you live or a place that you visit often or a place that you've been to once that you used Uber in the past. And we've tried to improve GPS, so you're more likely if you decide to just place the pin at your current location, you're more likely to have that car come to the right location. And the app launches a lot faster, which is also important. Now listen, we haven't gotten it all right. We're still not perfect. GPS doesn't always work. Certainly there are places where labels could be more crystal clear than they are. Um, but we've taken your feedback and we've really tried to improve the experience. And I was pleased that in the fall I was able to show off the app to Eric and Tony before it launched to continue to get feedback to be able to implement some of that feedback when it launched a couple of days later for the broader world. So since we launched back in November, we've made a couple of additional new features that I think are, folk, are things that folks have told us over the years that we really should do. And we're finally doing them. So in the app, it now reads and counts down your ETA in voiceover. Yeah. It will now read your car color out loud so you yeah. know what the color of the car is when the car gets there. And we recently announced that we're going to be introducing in-app tipping. So if your driver goes above and beyond and you don't want to fumble around with cash or you just don't want to deal with it, you can still reward your driver in the app and all the money goes to them if they do a really great service. And finally, you can also change your pickup destination after you've already been connected with a driver. So if you put in the wrong location and you realize after the fact, you can change that location and your driver will just simply go to where you are as opposed to where they thought you were. So Uber is a unique tech company in that we have one part of the experience, which is the technology, the app, and then we have a completely different part of the experience, which is the actual connection with your driver, getting into the car, making sure that you get to the right place. So half of our job is that accessible technology and half of our job is that accessible experience. And so it turns out 
that building software and hardware is very different than changing behaviors. But we've made some really, I think, concrete steps in the last year to hopefully begin to change driver behavior, particularly around an issue that came up a lot last year and has come up a lot over the years, which is service animal denials. And so too often people were coming to us and saying, I was denied my service animal. The driver either didn't know or didn't care about the ADA or Uber's policies. And we communicated with them. We deactivated a lot of these drivers from the platform. And it made an impact. But it was still happening, just candidly, way too often. And so earlier this year, we made some significant changes that we hope, and the early data is very positive, but it is early, we hope will have a significant impact on the frequency of service animal denials. So there are four things that we did. First, we published an updated service animal policy at accessibility.uber.com for the whole world to see, which highlights drivers' contractual and legal obligations to accept service animals. And what that basically means is, in short, any driver who gets more than one complaint is deactivated from the platform, no exceptions. Second, in addition... In addition to sending an email, which we've always done to drivers once they get onto the platform, letting them know of their requirements to accept service animals, we've started sending them a quarterly reminder. So every three months, no matter how good or bad a standing they're in with the platform, every single driver across the entire country gets a reminder that they still have to accept service animals. The law has not changed, and our policy has not changed. So we're hopeful that over time, as these quarterly emails continue to roll out, It'll reinforce uh, the requirement that drivers have around service animals. Third, third, we've made the process easier for riders to report service animal denials. So when you click on any trip, among the first options, without having to click to a different screen, is I want to report an issue with a service animal. So it's not buried under a help menu. It's not multiple clicks. It's actually one of the very first options, along with all of the other uh, frequently uh, asked help questions. We've also made it easier if you'd like to report a service animal denial on your desktop, on your laptop, instead of the app. Some people are more comfortable typing on a desktop or laptop. We've made it easier for you to do so there as well. And finally, and I think this one is actually the most important, is we're now sending all drivers, new or existing, an in-app notification that requires them to acknowledge their contractual and legal obligations related to accepting service animals on trips before they can start driving. And I think this is important because this actually gets drivers when it's top of mind. They're in their car, they're about to press start to get on the road, and that's when they see the notification, and they have to read through and acknowledge acceptance before they can actually start driving. We, we believe this is going to have a significant impact. We're hopeful with the early data we've seen. But we'll continue to report back to you all and let you all know how it's all working. So these are some of the things we've done. You know, this is, again, not perfect. I think there's some steps in the right direction, but we look forward to continuing to get your feedback on how we can be thoughtful and creative in the way that we do communicate with drivers. So that's kind of where we were, where we've been. I do want to briefly talk about the future because I know that's what people are oftentimes most excited about. Um, It's no secret that Uber is making some significant investments in self-driving vehicles just to the southeast, I guess, in Arizona. I guess it's a neighboring state, but we're in Reno, so California's closer. Um, But in Arizona, particularly Tempe, we have self-driving vehicles on the road today. It's one of two cities. Pittsburgh is the other one where we have self-driving vehicles on the road. They all have a safety driver behind behind the wheel as well as an engineer collecting data. So they're not fully autonomous. The safety driver takes over in almost every trip. 
but it's a way to gather data, and it's a way to get our technology better, so at some future point when these are rolled out in a robust way, we'll be ready. And I just want to make one commitment to everyone in this room now, and again, we're a long way off from self-driving cars in any robust way, but it's, you know, it's anyone's guess when we'll get there, but we're making investments, and we believe that this is truly the future of urban mobility, but I want to make one commitment to you all today, which is that for Uber's cars, at least, we will not roll these cars out past the pilot stage in any robust way without them being completely accessible for people who are blind or have low vision. We're still not sure what that's going to look like. It may be you just continue to interface with the car through your smartphone app. We may have an accessible screen in the car. We may have some auditory system, but we will not roll these cars out without making sure that they're accessible for your community. We understand the profound impact that this can have for everyone, and we understand the responsibility that we have as leaders in this space to make sure that we get it right, and we will get it right. So we have a long way to go, but we believe we made some strides, and we're hopeful that as we continue to make investments in this new technology, we'll continue to be able to work with ACB chapters to make sure we get the regulatory environment right all around the country so that we can make these investments in a smart and safe way such that self-driving cars can be rolled out to everyone everywhere. So with that, I want to thank you all. Thank you, Eric. Thank you, Kim. I appreciate the opportunity to be here, and I look forward to engaging with you all uh, throughout the rest of the convention. Thank you. Thanks, Malcolm. I'm going to mention Boston Uber, the pilot, paratransit. Okay. So I, um, I live in the Boston area, as you all know, and we are um, pioneering paratransit using Uber and Lyft. So talk about a game-changing experience. Instant, ask for your paratransit ride, and they come. <laughs> I am so happy to be a part of that pilot, and I think it's, you know, Uber is game-changing. But the idea of paratransit being available to us when we need it, in, at the spur of the moment, spontaneity, who would have thought we could have that with paratransit? So I know other cities around the country are starting to look at the Boston model of um, paratransit delivery using ride-sharing services like Uber and Lyft. Orlando is, and I know other cities are. So get involved with your transit advisory boards you can be a part of this game-changing revolution in the paratransit industry. I really think it's going to happen. Thank you so much. So, uh, Madam oh, Chair, um, could you identify yourself and let me know what it is you need my attention on? Yeah, this is Artis Bayes. Okay. I just wanted to, uh, if I can, bring up a concern about getting drivers that don't speak English and then I cannot communicate with them to tell them, you know, how to find a place. And I know that Malcolm is in the room, and that is a concern. So um, maybe he can come and spot you since you are at a mic and have a conversation because I know there's others who have experienced that as well. I see, I see oh, you, I see he does the, see you. He's right here I see here you in me. the audience. Uh, this is something we're, we're very concerned about, making it easier for folks to communicate. We obviously don't want to bar some folks from having that work opportunity, but we do want to make it easier for riders and drivers to communicate. So I'll find you at some point, and we can talk more about that. Thank you. Thank you, and I know that represents others as well, so thank you. 
All right, I want to remind you that back on someday earlier this week, I can't remember which one, um, we had, um, I, I can, I hear someone beating on a microphone, but I don't hear any words. Art Cavadilla from Hawaii. Okay. Um, we just want to make a small request if Tony Stevens can stop by our table before the day is out. Okay. Thank you. All right. Uh, okay, uh, I'm going to move on to our next speaker. Can I ask one question? This is Renee. Um, I prefer not, but okay. if you insist, okay. no, is it relevant to our next speaker? No, I was just wanting to ask Malcolm a question. So, uh, if okay. I can find him, I'm Malcolm, gonna... if you are you in the Illinois delegation? He yes. sees you. He'll find you. Thank you, Renee, in Illinois. Thank you. All right. I want to hear our next speaker because I'm excited. It's always a pleasure to hear her speak. Um, and earlier in the week, we told you that we would have the opportunity this morning to hear from the lead accessibility person from Microsoft, Jenny Lee Fleuries. And she is with us today, and she is a phenomenal person. She leads that team, which is a phenomenal team, but there's just nothing I can say that isn't special about Jenny. So please give a warm ACB welcome to Jenny Lee's Flurries. Yeah. Wonderful. Good morning. All right. I've, I've got the microphone. It's good. I'm in control. Um, how are you doing there, folks? You all right? It is one... I'm getting my coffee because I live in Seattle. I cannot survive... Oh, is there folks from Seattle here? I said, sorry, I had to make them do that twice. Um, so good morning. I'm really excited to be here. For those that don't know me uh, or I haven't yet met, I'm Jenny Leigh Flurry. Um, I am, uh, well, I'm not from these parts. Um, and I'm not from Australia either. Um, so I, I'm very proud to be here. I'm uh, representing Microsoft, uh, where I am the Chief Accessibility Officer. And it's a role that I've had now for coming up 18, well, 18 months. Um, but I've actually been in the company a long time. I've been in the company coming up 13 years. I was originally hired in London. Uh, anyone heard of London? Um, and, uh, and, and honestly, I wasn't hired to do this stuff. I was hired to run online advertising and uh, something called the, the Butterflies. Anyone remember Hotmail? Yeah. Hotmail? Yes, that was a product we had a long time ago. And, and really, I got into this business because I, uh, because I fell into it. Um, I am the daughter of two teachers. And my teachers, my parents, uh, who were also my teachers, basically told me one thing, which was, you need to work hard and if you can believe that you can do anything, well, then you'll just need to make it happen. Um, and they set that from a very early age. I went on to do my music degree and became a clarinetist. And I was big dreams of being a classical muso um, until I found on computers. And I found that there was this beautiful thing in technology uh, and how nerdy it was, nerdy being a very, very good thing, um, and how it opened up my world. When I came to Microsoft... My job was to help people using technology. Um, I didn't actually realize that the person I'd be helping the most was myself. 
I'm profoundly deaf. And when I actually got involved in things and found out that this crazy world of Microsoft didn't actually always like to email one another, they like to talk to one another, which when you're deaf can be a problem. Um, and so I found myself getting involved in the world of the deaf group at Microsoft. And then I joined every other group that I could, including the blind group, uh, the mobility group, the ADD group. There were six groups back then, 12 years ago. There are now 15 groups of employees at Microsoft. Uh, the latest group that we opened a few weeks ago is for Tourette's. We have a group for PTSD. We have a group for autism. We have a group for ADD. We have a group for kind of anything you can imagine. And these are communities of people at Microsoft with disabilities, parents, advocates, and interested people who come together to work on accessibility. Because we've been in this gig for 20 years. 20 years. I'm a little older than that. I'm 22. Um, but, and in those 20 years, we've had moments of sheer brilliance, and we've had moments of sheer ugliness where we haven't got it right. And when I came to this area and started digging in, and eventually someone much older and wiser and smarter than me, about 23, said, are you going to continue to moan about where we're at or are you going to do something about it? I jumped at the chance. So 18 months ago, we took a big step in reinvesting in accessibility. We moved the operation for accessibility into our corporate external legal affairs, which is a fancy word for basically saying we put it into the division that can make stuff happen across the company. And they gave me 25 heads to go and do stuff with. And my department and a leadership team across a company from Windows, anyone heard of Windows? Um, office, our cloud products, which doesn't mean rain. It means lots of beautiful things um, that can happen in technology. And also our research division started getting increasingly just interested, motivated, and resourced to do some crazy stuff. Because the mission of our company, which was set by our new CEO three years ago, is to empower every person and every organization to be successful and when you've got a billion of us around the world, I can't think of a more motivational mission uh, for my team than that. I didn't have to create a new thing. I just lean into that mission. And the CEO was actually the exec sponsor of that disability employee community before he came CEO. He's a parent. He gets it. He wants the same future that I do, and I'm sure many of you in the room do too. So we're on, this, we're on this gig. We're learning from where we've gone right and wrong. We set up some values which were to be inclusive across the spectrum of disability from low vision, blindness, deafness, mobility, speech, cognitive, mental health, and mobility. I got that right. Um, but also lean into the opportunity that there is in this space. The brutal reality is that if you're not in the disability community today, you are coming our way, right? <laughs> and it's not just about the cool people with disabilities. It's the folks that will hit it. Uh, whether that's a broken arm, uh, it's something that hits you temporarily, or you're like me, with one coffee in my hand, a laptop in another, 
too busy to do anything but, you know, to press down a door handle, and I end up hitting power door openers with my elbow. We all need accessibility, which means that it's a design imperative. It's a strategic imperative for us at the company. And so we set about really just reinvesting and getting things to a brand new place. And it's been a, it's been a fascinating journey. My, and my journey is far from over. My journey is to make accessibility and disability inclusion long-term, systemic, and part of our culture at Microsoft. This isn't a short-term gig. Thank you for the opportunity to slurp my coffee. Keep going. Um, but that really... <laughs> They took me seriously. I love it. Um, but that really does mean that we have to start with our own culture. So we've been growing and focusing on our own culture. We had a great conversation this morning about the importance of digital skills. I believe that the most talented people that can help us on our own journey and making it long-term and systemic are people with disabilities. We want people with disabilities in our company. It's a strength. It's something that uh, if someone comes to me and self-identifies, you see me do a little mini cheer and possibly a dance. We need talent. We set up an autism hiring program three years ago in one area that we knew needed a specialized focus. And that one area was to hire talent with autism that, by the way, has an unemployment rate, as you guys probably know, way above 80%. In fact, one stat that I was told last week is that people with disabilities, uh, women earn 80 cents on the dollar, broadly, generally, not Microsoft. People with disabilities, 63 cents to the dollar. How is that right? We found with our own, just one area of autism, we've hired 31, it's very small, 31 amazing folks. We've got hundreds of resumes and we want more, but 50% of those hired had previously previously applied to Microsoft and not got in the front door. We were missing out. So know that I have, on average, 50 to 60 open jobs every day. I'm looking for talent. And the talent that we have, our job is to make sure that it's the best, most inclusive environment. We're partnered with Lighthouse for the Blind in Seattle. We're partnered with many organizations. There goes the Washington Kang. Um, we're partnered with many organizations to help do that. And we want to make sure that our kids also grow those skills so that when they come up to college and beyond, they know that jobs are waiting for them because they are. I am competing for talent when I see it. Trust me, I win most of the time. But it's also then making sure that we have the technology to help and technology that will help in work, in play, in schools and employment. And so we've had a really massive focus on our technology. One of the biggest products that we've been working on is Office. Who uses Office? Give me a sense. I like this room. Office 365 is the product that you should be on. I'm just going to be blunt. It is our cloud product, but that doesn't mean scary. That means that it, it gets updated if you have and you see an issue with anything in Office 365, we're launching every month. Beginning of this year, 
we launched across the span of Office, which is 65 different combinations of products, a brand new bar of accessibility. It is the best we have ever, ever had. We launched all conformance statements for those that work in government and those that are looking for reassurance and some transparency on what's good and what's not. They're all on our brand new website, microsoft.com slash accessibility. And that means that PowerPoint, Excel, Sway, if you haven't heard of Sway, you've got to Sway. Um, it, OneNote, all of these have this brand new bar of accessibility. And our prime focus was screen reading. So whether you use JAWS, NVDA, or our inbuilt screen reader narrator, which I will get to in a second, um, we wanted to reassure that bar of accessibility. We also wanted to put some fun stuff in there. So we've got automatic alternative text that is now part of the product. In fact, it will go so far that if you're using Narrator, nudge, nudge, give it a go. Um, uh, but if you're using Narrator, it will automatically look at the image and describe it for you. It's not just capturing the image technology, it's creating the image auto text technology. We put PowerPoint Designer in there. So if, you know, how many hours it takes to create PowerPoint, and people love PowerPoint, now you can import your images and create a slide that looks professional and really sassy and kind of cool in one click. One click. You don't need to have sight to create beautiful slides. And for the deaf amongst us, myself included, we put captioning into PowerPoint. So automatic captioning. So if you hit start subtitles, it will start automatically captioning your PowerPoint presentation as you're talking. We've also got Braille displays. It's in there. Um, and magnifier improvements that have come through. And then let's talk a little bit about Narrator. Narrator, we have worked on the performance of. We know that it was the backup screen reader. And as you heard Brett Humphrey from the Windows team earlier this week, we've been working on the voices. We've been working on the speed. We've been working on everything that's needed to make this a solid screen reader. Have we got a ways to go? Yes, we do. But I cannot, cannot thank you enough for everyone who's trying it, telling us what you want to see more, and know that we are listening to every single piece of feedback that we get. We're also, I'm going to focus on a couple of things. We're also really focused on technology that I hope helps to change the future. I mentioned this to this morning when chatting with Eric over breakfast. We have a project in the UK, and I was there last week. And it's not just, I was not just in London because it's a good place. It's also where we've got some innovation happening. Who's heard of Project Torino? Aha. Now I got something you haven't heard. Um, we want to help kids learn to code. And most of the coding environments aren't accessible today. So Project Torino is little hardware pods that you hold in your hand, and they have tactile squiggles and shapes on them. And if you connect them up with the right leads, you create music, a piece of music, which goes back to the origin of where I began. You, by, by creating music, you are learning how to code at the age of seven. And this is technology that is designed for the blind, but I tell you, all the non-blind kids want to play with them too, because they're cool. 
We are piloting it with 200 kids in the UK starting in the fall. And it's got an app with it. And what I hope is that this is the start of an investment in digital skills. Because we need kids to be able to learn these skills, to get great jobs, and to work at Microsoft in the future. So please, please check out what we got. There is a ton of great stuff on our website. If you want more, I want to hear it. I'm deaf, but I do listen. More importantly, I have an interpreter with me, which helps. But I, I also want to give a call out to Dad. Who's used Dad? Anyone heard of Disability Answer Desk? Yes. Some of you have. This was actually where I began in accessibility in Microsoft. And it's, a, it's a, an environment that is there for all of us. Um, it started with a hunch, which was that the hundreds of thousands of calls that we take every day at Microsoft from customers needing help with their technology wasn't best serving the population with disabilities. And that's a billion around the world, by the way. And so we did some mystery shopper, and we found that to be true. I'll be blunt. And... and what we found is if you called and you said, hey, I need help with Windows and JAWS, they would ask something to the effect of, what do you mean, the 1975 movie? <laughs> Which was not exactly helpful. So we took a group of agents, and we found a group of agents that actually knew something about disability, which honestly was a lot of people with disability, and we trained them on accessibility. We trained them on all of the third-party stuff. We train them on what we have in our products. We keep them up to date. That Disability Answer Desk is a 1-800 number. It's a chat, and for the deaf, it's a direct ASL video line. We're taking over 20,000 calls a month now. Um, and it's a dedicated support team for you. About 30-plus percent are callers who are blind, and these guys are equipped to handle every query that you have. So if there's something that you didn't hear from me, and that you want to know about, and you don't catch the, the sassy, cool, deaf Brit girl um, in the room today, know that there is a resource center that is there for you. Um, and I look forward to hearing all the feedback because I look at all the reports that I get from that. I don't just do it to be nice. We do it because we get a lot of feedback that then helps us take it back into Windows and Office and every product that we have. Um, and so keep it coming. Uh, and I just can't thank you enough for what we've learned from you, from the partnership we have with ACB, from the phenomenal leaders that you have, and the talent that you have on your board, including Mr. Eric Bridges, and I have to mention Jeff Bishop as well. Um, right? And I cannot wait to do more in the future together, and let's change this bloody world while we're at it. How about that? Thanks, folks. All right, I told you it would be worth waiting for. She's quite a dynamic lady. So thank you, Jenny. All right, Tony, Stephen, Peter. Tony Stevens nearby? Okay. All right. I'm going to uh, recognize um, the gentleman that I postponed from yesterday. He was very gracious about it. Um, I'm going to 
introduce to you our very energetic and hardworking Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs, Mr. Tony Stevens. All right, all right. Good morning, everybody. Oh, come on now. This is our last day of convention. Good morning. That is the sound of advocacy out there. Much, much nicer. Has everyone been having a wonderful convention in Reno? I think it's important. Let's, the, the, a round of applause for the staff. Sometimes we know in advocacy or even just in any new place, sometimes we need a helping hand to get around. So uh, thanks to everybody. Madam President, thank you so much for the opportunity to come and, and, and address the, the group here today. Um, thank you to all those that have been having the opportunity to meet this past week in Reno. I come to share with you news from Washington, D.C. Not that it's never on the news these days. And in the same sense, though, share with you the work that's been taking place as, as we have been working to move the ball forward on issues encompassing Americans who are blind, not just Americans who are blind, but anyone in this country who's blind or visually impaired or anyone around the world on some of the issues we've been working on. Uh, it's, it's very much a humbling opportunity to be your, your voice in Washington. And, but I, one of the things I want to stress here today is how one person is not in any way a movement. And one person cannot do all the work alone. The work that I'll be sharing here today isn't necessarily about everything that maybe, uh, as your director of advocacy, we've been spearheading from our national office in Washington, D.C., but a lot of it is the work that's taking place in the state affiliates around the country, the hard work that everyone here in this room and everybody listening at an ACB radio, those that are maybe still in their little blanket forts with their slippers, uh, that are listening to us now. The idea is simple when we talk about what is an advocate, right? I've said this in the past, it means to speak on behalf of, advocate. We're not just self-advocates when we're advocating, right? We've been self-advocating since eight seconds after birth, when we let out our first Yelp. I think that's pretty fair to say, and as people who are blind or visually impaired, we've been advocating our whole lives, trying to make people understand what it is we need or how things can get done better for us. But when we take on the role of an advocate, it's a very unique and a very special role. It's a role that empowers us not just to speak on the issues that impact one individual, but that of a movement, that of a group. And it's the group of ACB that has been actively involved over the course of the past year on advocating on a number of key areas. Regardless of what you hear in the news, there is progress. Things are still moving ahead in Washington, D.C., the staffers today in Congress and in the administration and different federal agencies, many of whom were the same staffers who were there when I spoke to you last year. And we've been fortunate this past year to really strengthen the relationship ongoing with a lot of these key folks in different federal agencies and in Congress. We have also been continuing to improve the relationships as well, knowing that things maybe aren't moving at the speed of light, in Washington, D.C., on issues we find important, we turn to our stakeholders, 
to our corporate and private sector partners, folks who have been up here on stage today, like Jenny with Microsoft or Malcolm with Uber. And I think, to hear, I think it's clear to hear in the, in the speeches that they give to this group today that the concerns of ACB are being heard, that when we speak up on behalf of others, our voice is being heard. Last year, I came to this organization, to this group before you on this stage in Minneapolis, and we shared about the importance of voting. Folks were there, remember that? We went out and we voted, but it does not stop at the ballot box, does it? Voting is a right, and again, we will return to the polls next year to vote as well for some local elections this year, but it does not stop simply at the polls, does it? No. It continues on. We don't just need to vote, but we need to speak. And we need to speak up. If not with words of our mouth, then with the actions of our hands, the kindness of our heart, and the collaboration that we have when we bring all of our brains together into one space to find solutions to the problems we have. Some of the solutions we've been fortunate to overcome this year, we had a resolution last year, I believe it was number one, on audio description and the FCC. Thank you, Mr. Reichert. He just confirmed that for me. Right out of the gate last year, we had the opportunity to weigh in last year with the Federal Communications Commission on the expansion of audio description. One of the things we've been doing in the national office is, is trying to listen. Advocating is not always about speaking, is it? An important part of it is listening. So we've taken part in surveys over the past year to listen to you, the members, and to all Americans who are blind and visually impaired. We asked them, how important was audio description? Is it an issue that is worth us putting in hard effort in Washington, D.C.? And the overwhelming response was yes. Our survey data last summer, when we took a survey during the time of this conference in August, 90% of people said they had used audio description in some form, and three-quarters, over 75%, strongly agreed that there needed to be more. So we carried that message strong to the Federal Communications Commission, and they put on the vote for the docket in November a rule that would expand audio description from four to seven hours. I know that doesn't sound like a lot when you consider all the television out there that's on thousands of channels or however many we have in our television. But for us, it was a significant step forward thanks to this 21st Century Communications and Video Accessibility Act. It gave us a way, when we passed that law, to, to, to make incremental expansions like this, to try to get the snowball mo moving from a snowflake. We were disheartened when the Federal Communications Commission, right after the election, Congress had asked that all regulations be stopped. And so the Federal Communications pulled the plug. But we knew that chairman, at that time, the new incoming chairman, Ajit Pai, who's now the chairman of the FCC, had been favorable to our cause. So we were proud to say that on July 13th, we have slated again for the vote of the FCC an expansion of audio description and television so that we can get more great entertainment and, and really participate more equally, not just in our homes on the couch, but at the water cooler each day to feel more like an inclusive part of society. So we make roads through the federal administration in areas like the FCC. Last year as well, we listened around the concerns around service animals. And ride share and taxi programs. We took a study, found out not surprisingly, Roughly 9 out of 10 folks that had used rideshare had had difficulty with if they had a service dog. No big surprise. But what was a surprise was that only 45% of those people polled said they actually filed a complaint. Again, we need to talk about speaking up. 
when we go to places like Uber, when we work with rideshare companies, when we, when we work with like the Washington, D.C. Taxi Commission, with the success we had in the settlement with them over them not picking up people, I can tell you now that it is extremely easy to get a, a taxi in Washington, D.C., thanks to ACB. No more standing on streets, hearing cars go by, never knowing what they are. But where we take action there is important. We have also been working with the Department of Transportation, the Aviation Compliance Division. Those that have come to Washington have heard them come to our conference at our Washington Mid-Year Legislative Seminar. And we continue to push for service animal improvements on the airlines. Those that flew here with service animals, my hope is that next year we can finally have rules in place. We continue to push them, as you know, through the resolutions process that sets our agenda in Washington. But we are meeting behind closed doors. We are pushing to try to get a final rule put out that will create more equality for passengers with service animals. No more disgrace and abuse by the treatment of employees that oftentimes don't know their own rules. We hope in other areas of the federal administration where we can, primarily through listening, working with other disability advocate groups, coalitions. In Congress, we've had some success this year as well. We had a reintroduction in April of the Medicare Low Vision Devices bill that we've been pushing for. That was an issue that we had in March 1st when we went up to Washington. It was an imperative of ours. It's a demonstration that would create an experiment, essentially, to look at cost-benefits analysis for Medicare to cover low vision devices. We know that overwhelmingly, vision loss is not everyone is totally blind. It's a large spectrum, and for the large percentage of our country, roughly the 23, 24 million Americans, they fall within that spectrum where such things, particularly those that are older age, can make significant improvements in sustaining their independence. So we are working with the House of Representatives in this bill. We have secured a pro bono law firm, a legal advocacy group in Washington to help us in the Senate, and we are very optimistic. But again, it's not about what we're doing in Washington. So on August 22nd is a day that we are identifying as probably the best day to get a push out. I want you to keep your ears to the email and listen. On August 22nd, we're going to be making a national push to speak out both to senators and to Congress on ways that we can try to increase aging in place through such solutions as Medicare coverage of low devices. We find ourselves in Washington faced with a lot of noise. And so that's why I give you one date. It doesn't need to be one date. We should be advocating ad nauseum, right? But when we bring our voices together on one date, we're able to amplify through the noise in Washington, D.C. Hands down, the election has created a sense of polarization in our country, I think it's fair to say. We have moved to the left and to the right. ACB has, throughout its history, stood in the middle. We have listened to both sides and we have acted on both sides because we see progress not as partisanship, but as a step of humanity, a step toward moving forward as a group that needs to rely upon each other's. We can't do it alone, regardless of where the person sitting across from you, where they believe they stand politically. We all need each other's help. So the work that we're doing in Washington, D.C., in advocating on issues like aging in place and trying to find ways to improve independence for older age adults, because we know that's where the lion's share of our population for incidents is coming in to our ranks. We're working in partnerships with organizations like the American Foundation for the Blind, who has taken amazing leadership with their 21st century aging and vision loss agenda. 
The work that Mark Reichert, a proud ACB member, I'd like to think, a life member, I'm immediately reminded, and the folks at AFB are doing to bring all the folks together within our community. We often hear that we're too siloed within the blindness sphere. But the work that AFB is doing, and we are proud to take leadership on one of the Medicare issues, I know that I am also tasked with one of the resolutions, I believe, on another issue that we'll be fortunate to get involved with. But I encourage you all to go to afb.org slash aging. Is that right, Mark? afb.org slash aging. And become part of the national movement. It's not just AFB. We're just lucky they're flipping the bill for the web space. All right? But it is a critical need that we face with our population. To get involved in advocacy on key issues like how do we wrestle with the older individuals with blindness program and the shortage of money. We are collaborating with other blindness organizations like Vision Serve Alliance, National Energy for the Blind, and other groups to focus on the rehabilitation system in ways that legislation maybe isn't moving the ball forward toward progress. We are finding those strengths coming through the partnerships and collaborations like those I mentioned if it's AFB or VisionServe or anyone else within the sector that basically focuses on greater independence for blindness, we are there, and we are out at the table. But we can't do it alone. Again, as we know in our own mission of ACB, we are a grassroots organization throughout its history has led from the bottom up. Through our resolution process and through our coming together in convention and through our state affiliates, our success is gained from the ground up. The concerns that each of you here face, we listen to. But as it begins to get toward the top in Washington, D.C., where things might feel siloed, I think it's fair to say folks know we have a small office staff in Washington. But we do a lot. But we do it thanks to the help of the membership. It's not what takes place in Washington that's important. It's what takes place in Nevada. It's what takes place in California or Florida or Massachusetts, or Illinois, or any of the other states. One of the things that is critical, particularly as we face still continued gridlock in Washington, D.C. around partisanship, is finding ways on the local level that we can move the ball forward. I'm proud to bring here things that I haven't even done this year, but still are successes of ACB. Things that our state affiliates have done. A reminder that the actions of change come through our own hands, not through the hands of others all the time. States like Nevada. Where's Nevada? We got some Nevada in the back, who's been a wonderful host, but they've also made great progress this year with SB 131, a state legislative bill that has expanded prescription drug labels that are accessible into the hands of Nevadans who are visually impaired or blind. Let's give them a big round of applause. It was a lift where they had to go for hearings and face opposition. There were concerns from small business pharmacies. But when the legislation was passed, all retails in the state. States like Tennessee. Where's Tennessee? The volunteer state. ACB is an organization grounded in volunteers. And no one knows that better than the volunteer state of Tennessee. Where they had success this past year in legislation that now makes detectable warning signs for folks who have low, low vision in state public places. So congratulations to Tennessee on that. Where's Florida? Florida in the back. We all know about how Florida has been in the news over the decades regarding voting, right? I think it's fair to say many of us remember that from only 17 years ago. But you know what? 
For years, we have had difficulty at the voting booth for accessibility. And the more that we move towards technologies, oftentimes we find accessibility is not in the forefront. This is a challenge we constantly face, but Florida has partnered with a, with a company working on these solutions and has worked in advocating toward those solutions across the state of Florida to make voting more accessible in Florida. So congratulations to Florida, congratulations to Nevada, congratulations to Tennessee. But those are just three states. I bring to you the challenge, what are you doing in your state? Where it may seem like things are stopped or moving at two speeds in Washington, as I like to say, slow and stop. Where are we in your state? How are we making changes where we can replicate Nevada, where we can replicate Florida, where we can replicate Tennessee, so that our world is more inclusive and is more independent? We come together as a group, not just to speak up, but to listen. While you are here, find out what your states are doing. Share and brag. It's okay to brag. So in closing, I give to you all the challenge. Last year, we exercised our rights by voting. This year, we need to exercise our rights by speaking. Again, it doesn't always need to be with the voice. We can just as well speak with our hands and our hearts and our heads. But I give you all the challenge. We have the resolutions here that we present. We will publish those in due time, hopefully sooner than later. In the next week or two, we'll try to get them out to you. How can these resolutions be put into life in your state? I encourage every state affiliate to go through them and to work with us at ACB in the national office because we cannot do this alone. ACB is a member-up organization. It is extremely humbling to have the opportunity to speak on behalf in Washington, D.C., but what is even more humbling is the chance to go around the country and to hear the work that you all are doing. So as we come to the end of this convention, my hope is that we can leave with a sense of inspiration, with a sense of direction, and with a sense of commitment. Can you all promise me that? Inspiration from the stories we've heard here on this stage, commitment from the desire to make the words that people speak here throughout the convention realities in our hometowns. And that's all I ask. We are always available in Washington, D.C. to be your voice, to speak up on your behalf. You can reach us, email us at advocacy at acb.org. You can call our national office. You know we answer the phone, and sometimes if we don't answer the phone because we are busy, please leave a message. Please leave an email, and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. I sound like my own voicemail when I say that, but it's true, okay? <laughs> so thank you again for the opportunity to be a part of you with this convention. Again, inspire, lead, give a commitment. And we will look forward to seeing you next year in St. Louis, Missouri. Thank you, everyone. All right. Thank you, Tony. And take him up on those offers. We are going to be reaching out, and we are going to be expecting your involvement. So thank you so much. All right. Nancy? Yes, no? Okay, all right. John Huffman, I think I'm going to turn to you to, um, to start the, the um, Constitution and bylaw process this morning. Um, 
at some point, once I um, check in with the players. Oh, one second. Let me let me just check on one thing, and I'll be right back. All right, John, I'm not going to talk to you about bylaws right now. <laughs> All right, so um, a couple um, program adjustments. So some of you may have seen on the program that we had an Emerald sponsor presentation that we had, did not hear from Comcast, and that's because we have moved that to have us, it's going to be a special part of our banquet this evening. So... And lest you think I forgot something, I just wanted you to know that that will be part of our banquet this evening. Yesterday, because Carla Rushville is not here with us, um, I did not set aside time to have some treasures report. And Nancy Becker does have Carla's treasures report, and I feel that there's an obligation to share that report with you, um, and she will, uh, she will now present the Treasurer's Report for ACB on behalf of Carla Rushevel. Good morning, ACB. First, I want you to know how much I miss you all and regret not being there in person, freezing along with you in general session. I, th I think she did that so Minnie Mall would make some sales. I was looking forward to conducting this this morning as this was my last opportunity to do so as ACB treasurer. Here's my report, and thanks so much, Nancy, for reading it for me. ACB ended 2016 with a net surplus of about $187,300. Here are some highlights. This is the first year since 2008 that we had a surplus where it didn't involve receiving money from an estate or bequest. ACB did have surpluses in 2010, 2011, and 2014 because we received between $400,000 to $1 million from bequests. In 2016, we only received about 26,000 in bequests. Intranet contributions increased significantly from 2,900 in 2015 to $6,093 in 2016. ACB angel contributions were 4,900 in 2015 and $8,040 in 2016. Direct mail saw a net increase of about $5,000 over 2015 as well. Gross receipts increased from $35,344 in 2015 to $47,181 in 2016. Expenses also increased from $15,448 to $22,178 as we continue to increase ACB's database and create relationships with potential donors. Bottom line, direct mail generated $25,003 for ACB 
in 2016. The mini mall sales and store commissions topped $20,000 for the first time, increasing from $14,632 in 2015 to $22,323 in 2016. In the last half of 2016, the mini mall began a new program designed to help affiliates with fundraising opportunities. We increased our inventory to support this program, and so our merchandise costs grew from $8,730 to $14,854. Bottom line, mini mall surplus generated a positive income of $5,902 in 2015 and $7,469 in 2016. Restricted grant revenue increased dramatically from $42,700 in 2015 to $210,000 in 2016. With this support, ACB replaced a server and laptops, updated the convention database, replaced ALD equipment and mixers, brought DKM and leadership fellows to the Minneapolis Convention, sent representatives to the World Blind Union and CSUN conferences, and replaced the accounting software in our Minneapolis office. One word of caution, because this line reflects funds received for specific projects, it may fluctuate widely from year to year. Sponsorship for legislative seminar doubled from $10,000 to $20,000 in 2016 and sponsorships of the convention and walk continued to grow. Legislative seminar expenses increased $3,000 in 2016. The net surplus from the convention increased almost $42,000. Revenue increased 66,000, while expenses increased 22,700 from 2015. This is extremely important as this positive cash flow helps to support other programs throughout ACB. The Brenda Dillon Memorial Walk is an important source of funding for ACB. As you know, up to 50% of walk money raised by affiliates is shared with the teams. So the walk not only raises money for ACB, but also is a revenue source for participating affiliates. ACB's portion of the walk proceeds was $36,894 in 2015 and was $43,394 in 2016. Thrift stores were a positive income stream in 2016, increasing by over 36000 from $184,488 in 2015 to $220,000. $760 in 2016. Just a second here. Virginia office expenses decreased nearly $77,000. This was the result of moving to a space which better fit the size of our staff. Minneapolis office expenses decreased about $10,000. That office also downsized, but that move happened in the last half of 2015. Board of Publication expenses are about the same in 2016. We had anticipated replacing the Braille form cassette option with cartridges, 
but that was delayed since the cartridges weren't available from the manufacturer. In summary, total support and revenue was $1,178,520 in 2015. And budgeted in 2016 was $1,030,085. And what we received was $1,162,244. Total expenses in 2015 was $1,307,550. Budgeted in 2016 was $1,250,375. And our actual for 2016 was $1,105,860. Our surplus or deficit from operations before convention. In 2015, the actual deficit was $129,030. We budgeted in 2016 to have a deficit of $220,290. However, we had a surplus in 2016 of $56,384. ACB annual convention revenue in 2015 was $260,270. We budgeted $250,000, I'm sorry, in 2016, but our actual was $326,465. So, and then the actual, the ACB annual convention expense was $172,764 in 2015, and in 2016, it was $195,509. So the net convention profit or loss in 2015 was $87,506. We budgeted for a $75,000 profit, but we actually had $130,950, uh, sorry, $130,955 profit. Sorry about that, you guys. So our net surplus from operations after the convention or including the convention in 2015 was a loss of $41,524. However, our actual was a positive $187,339. Our realized and unrealized investment income and loss in 2015, we lost $106,456. And in 2016, it was positive, which is $53,275,000. Um, let's see here. Our asset highlights, the cash that we have in the bank in 2015 was $196,322. And in 2016, it was $99,062. Cash in the convention account in 2015 was $18,398. And in 2016, it was $48,849. So the total cash in our accounts in 2015 was $214,000. $719, and 2016, it was $147,912.
In closing, thanks to you, the members of ACB, for allowing me to serve as your treasurer for the past six years. It has been truly a pleasure to work for first Mitch and then Kim as an officer in this great organization. Huge thanks to our incredible staff in Minneapolis and Alexandria. Without you and all you do, ACB could not possibly carry out our work day after day, week after week, month after month, and year after year. Thanks to every affiliate and member, without you, we could not continue to touch the lives of those who need our help. While I won't be a member of the board this next year, I do plan to continue to work hard for ACB on a local, state, and national level. I hope Kim will allow me to continue to work with the mini mall, holiday auction, and other ACB projects. Membership development and sharing the word about ACB are also vital areas to the growth of this organization. I am willing to work in any capacity I can. Y'all know where I am. Keep on having a great time in Reno. ACB sparks success. I'll see you in St. Louis. And here's my words. I know Carla's listening, so let's give her a hand for the job she has done. Thank you, Nancy. All right. Um, our agenda does say that we're supposed to do something right around 10 o'clock today. Um, I think we're supposed to have an election. So um, what I'm going to do in preparation for this is I think now... It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me that we start the elections at 10 and then we have a break at 10.30. So, you know, when we're on a roll, we're on a roll, right? So I'm going to ask the door prize people to, uh, to get ready. We're going to have a little stretch of door prizes and we're going to have a few announcements. And, um, and we're going to have one of those semi-breaks like we had yesterday. It kind of worked. And we're going to keep moving because I think there's a lot of you. We've, I've, I've consulted with Mark on resolutions, consulted with John. And if we stick to the grindstone here, we can be out early this afternoon. Yeah. So I'd like to give you the gift of time this afternoon and allow you a little time for some downtime. So, door prizes. Madam we are ready. Madam Chair. Yes, yes. Is that Donna? Maybe? No, it's oh. Patty Cox. Patty Cox. Okay, tell us where you are today. We are in the very back of the room, behind the center aisle, all the way in the back. Most items are 25% off. And uh, we have a few fleece jackets left since it's cold in here. And since you all are going home and most places are warm, we still have those um, polo shirts and many other items. So come get your last-minute buys. Donna Pomeranz, ACB Braille Form Tickets. 
All right. Donna Pomerantz. Donna, there's Donna Pomerantz. Yes, I knew yes. she couldn't be far. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you to everyone who completed the surveys, first of all. The deadline has now passed for large print, so thank you. Um, I have ACB Braille Forum tickets burn in a hole in one of my canvas bags with an American flag on it. So if you have cash and still wish to purchase a ticket, my cell phone number is area code 626-233-2991, or please find me in the California delegation at the table with the microphone at it, and I will be here. Um, And if you need to pay by credit card... You can do so at registration until 1 today because I've had a number of people say, oh, but I have to pay by credit card. So you can do that in registration until 1 o'clock. After 1 o'clock, Lane has told me that, again, if you need to pay by credit card, he'll be at the banquet, or if you find him before the banquet, they are prepared to do that as well. But Come and say hi to me if you have cash, because I'd love to give you a great big hello. And hopefully I've sold the winning ticket. First prize is $5,000. So, and then we have second and third prize, which um, I don't have it in front of me to read, so I don't want to give you the wrong number, but I know the, the third prize is $500. So come and see me. Thanks. Madam Chair. Thank you, Donna. Yes, I'll recognize George for the MMS report, I think. I'm here to announce the winner of yesterday's drawing, but before I give out that big name, I want to thank everyone who participated in the MMS program. We have several persons and individuals who signed up as first time, and I want to thank those who continuously support MMS. And I understand that there are several people who are inquiring about MMS, I will be at the memorial wall right next to information out in the lobby here. Uh, If you have any questions, I'll be out there after break. And the winner for yesterday was Bonnie Robertson from Minnesota. Thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you, George. All right. Door prizes. Do we have some door prizes today? We certainly do. Wonderful. Our first one is, of course, our Nevada box with 25 Ike silver dollars in it with the beautiful blue cobalt box in the shape of Nevada with a Nevada map. And the winner is... Nicole Salou. Are you in the room? (laughs) Congratulations. I think she's in the room. <laughs> Yay. Very good. Congratulations. We have a beautiful candle warmer and fragrance uh, that puts out the fragrance, and it comes from the Toms. And the winner is Ellen Telco. Telker. Telker. I bet she's me. here somewhere in the back. Okay, congratulations.
Okay, our next prize is a goodie bag. It's a miscellaneous assortment of things in it, edible. And it's from Capital Chapter, California Burbank. And the winner is... Sata Corella. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. I think that's someone from Hawaii, maybe. Congratulations. <laughs> okay. Do you, did you Very want more or? Of course, we want more. Okay, turn it over to Barry. <laughs> okay, you guys. We have the T-shirt from Utah, as well as a can, as as well as a can of cocoa with it. And the name is Chris. Chris. Chris Green. Chris Green. Are you in the room? Chris Green. No. Okay. Tammy's not here. Tammy Stevens. Tammy Stevens. Okay. Not Tony Stevens. That's Tammy Stevens. No. We're just checking. Just checking. <laughs> James Gatewood. <laughs> James Gatewood. Are you in the room? Oh, wow. Snooze, you lose. Yeah. Mandy, Holly. All right. Is she here? Yep. There says lots of yeses, so she's back in the back. Okay, we have a mystery gift. It's a, it's a book on CD, double, I'm reading left-handed, Double Cross by James Patterson and seven CDs. Oh, okay. Jason Tescongway. Okay, all right. Here. Susan Thompson. Is she here, Susan Thompson? Okay. Susan Bose. Yay. Susan Bose? It's Bose. I know who she is. Yeah. Okay. Um, this one's a... I can't tell. I know. It's, this is a recipe cookbook and a $20 cash prize. Mike Anderson. Mike Anderson, are you here for the recipe book? And $20 in cash. Lynn Corell. She's here. Yay. Good for Lynn. Yay. She's back in the Florida section. That's all I see. That's it for now. We'll be back. All right. Madam President. Um, Dan Dillon. Yeah. Real brief, uh, I was terribly remiss yesterday when I did the MMS report for George and forgot to mention the, the winner of the drawing for Tuesday was Pamela Holloway from Wisconsin. Oh, all right. Congratulations. And she's here. Madam President, Dan Spoon from Florida. Is someone seeking the microphone? Yes, Dan Spoon. Okay, go ahead, Dan. 
Uh, we, uh, to Secretary Campbell, we need to make a delegate change with the upcoming election. Dan Spoon will no longer be the delegate for Florida. That will be Judy Jackson. Okay. And Dan Spoon will be the alternate delegate. Okay, so da Judy Jackson delegate, Dan Spoon alternate. Thank you, sir. Gotcha. Yes. Madam President, Anna from Utah. Yes, go ahead. We also have a change uh, um, in delegate. Delegate and alternate uh, will be changed. Our new delegate will be John Lipsy, and there will not be an alternate. Okay, so John Lipsy, L-I-P-S-E-Y, correct? Cor correct. Thank you. Thank you. Any other announcements? All right. So, poor John Huffman. I keep pushing him aside. He's the most understanding man of the day. And uh, we are going to move forward with the election process. So back here to refresh your memories from uh, Monday morning is the chair of our nominations committee, Mitch Pomerantz. Good morning. Why did it just do that? You're, you're sitting here and you're prepared, and uh, you know my braille sense did something that I didn't tell it to do, but now well, we're fixed. You know, Ray Ray Campbell has always, uh, at least this year, been introducing himself as from uh, from uh, near Chicago, the home of the world champion Chicago Cubs. Ray, after this year, it will not be possible for you to do that. I will introduce myself as Mitch Pomerantz from Pasadena, California, the suburb of the world champion Los Angeles Dodgers. <laughs> we'll see. As we now lead those annoying Diamondbacks by four and a half games. We'll see. There's a whole half a season left. So, I'll have to deal with McCann later, I'm sure. To refresh your memories regarding the five individuals who came out of the nominating committee as uh, candidates for the officer positions. They are for president, Kim Charlson from Watertown, Massachusetts. Kim is the executive director of the Perkins Library. And if elected, she would commence her third and final term. First vice president is Dan Spoon from Orlando, Florida. He is the or a retired project manager for Siemens Corporation, and this would be his first term. For second vice president, the aforementioned John McCann, uh, now residing in Tucson, Arizona. He is a retired attorney with 
aside from perhaps IRS, our favorite governmental entity, the Social Security Administration. And John would be commencing his second term in that position. For secretary, uh, again, the aforementioned Ray Campbell from Glen Ellen, Illinois. He is an accessibility analyst for United Airlines. Ray would be beginning his third term. And for treasurer, David Trott from Talladega, Alabama. He is retired services development coordinator for the uh, Alabama Institute for the Deaf and Blind. And David would be commencing his first term in that capacity. Madam President, that uh, concludes the um, second announcement of nominees for the five officer positions. Uh, President Charlson has asked me uh, if I would commence or if I would uh, run the election for president, so I will commence to doing that. Nominations are now open from the floor for the position of president. Are there any other nominations? Are there any other nominations? Third time, are there any other nominations? We have a motion to cease nominations uh, and a second to, and to elect uh, Kim Charlson as President of the American Council of the Blind. All those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? Congratulations, President Charlson. Thank you, everyone. Um, I, I'm humbled by a vote of acclamation. Your support means so much to me, and I'm looking forward to continuing the work of ACB over the next two years as my final term as president. Thank you so much for your trust and your confidence in me, and I will do everything I can to live up to your confidence and expectations. Thank you so much. All right. For the position of first vice president, the name of Dan Spoon is in nomination. Are there any other nominations from the floor? Are there any other nominations from the floor? Are there any other nominations from the floor? Hearing none, I think motion is being made to close nominations and cast a ballot. Um, acclamation for Dan Spoon. All those in favor, say aye. aye. Opposed? Congratulations, Dan Spoon. Dan, are you at a mic, perhaps? I am, Madam President. Oh, very good. That's the first time as first vice president I've asked for you to be there, and you were there. So <laughs> this is a good record. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I just want to say thank you so much to this humble body. I 
I really appreciate it. I promise I will work as hard as I can to serve the American Council of the Blind. <laughs> and I would be remiss if I did not thank my lovely wife, Leslie. Uh, absolutely. And my parents who are listening to ACB Radio, Pat and Bill Spoon. Yay. So thank you all very much, and go ACB. Congratulations, Dan. <laughs> all right. For the office of second vice president, the name of John McCann has been placed in nomination. Are there any other nominations from the floor? Are there any other nominations from the floor? Are there any other nominations from the floor? A motion's been made to close nominations and cast a ballot by acclamation for John McCann. <laughs> and it's been duly seconded. All those in favor say aye. aye. Opposed? Congratulations, John. From the bottom of my heart, I want to thank everybody here assembled and even the ones who didn't get to vote in ACB radio, but uh, thank you so very, very much. It has truly been an honor and a privilege to have served on the board in an officer capacity for the past two years. We have a stellar board. I don't think the people here totally recognize how awesome the board is. It's a pleasure to serve with them. It'll be my pleasure to uh, adjust dinner times for another two years because... <laughs> to accommodate the East Coast folks. Uh, the teleconferences tend to occur at 5 and 6 o'clock. But, you know, it's a labor of love. If I didn't want to do it, I wouldn't do it. And I thank you so much for the confidence you repose in me. Thank you to my partner, Emily, and her mom, Alice. They do more than I can say or acknowledge in the short time here, which I've already extended the short time. So they, they're my supports. And I love all of you. Take care. Thank you, John. For the position of secretary, the name of Ray Campbell has been placed in nomination. Are there any other nominations from the floor? Are there any other nominations from the floor? Are there any other nominations from the floor? Hearing none, motion has been made and duly seconded to close nominations and cast a, a ballot of acclamation for... Ray Campbell for secretary. All those in favor say aye. aye. Opposed? Congratulations, Ray. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you, ACB, for this vote of confidence. It was my honor four years ago to have this kid from Winnebago County, Illinois, break the glass ceiling and become the first male secretary. And I look forward to continue working with you over the next two years um, to keep the record accurate so that you know what this board and our organization is up to to benefit all of you and citizens who are blind or visually impaired. Thank you very much, and go Cubs! <laughs> All right. For the Office of Treasurer, the name of David Trott has been placed in nomination. Are there any other nominations from the floor? Are there any other nominations from the floor? Are there any other nominations from the floor? Hearing none, I am taking a leap that you would like to have a motion that was seconded to cast a unanimous ballot of acclamation for David Trott. All those in favor say aye. aye. 
Opposed? Congratulations, David. Thank you. Thank you, ACB, for the opportunity to serve you in a new capacity. I have enjoyed serving you on the board since around 2000 and late 2003. Uh, it is with great humility that I stand up here today and tell you that this really means a great deal to me to give you the expertise that I have. But what really means a lot to me is to see what you give to ACB when you go home the donations that you give, the in-kind donations that you give with hours, volunteer hours that we now track, these are vital to our organization, and I would be remiss as your new treasurer if I didn't remind you how important <laughs> these duties that you have are. Also, I would be remiss if I didn't thank my calendar and my other half, my wife, Rhonda Trot, for keeping me straight and on the path. Thank you so much. Thank you, David. All right. So that was kind of easy, right? Yeah. Thank you. I think things might just get a little more interesting as we proceed. So are you ready for that? All right. With the election of Dan Spoon to the Office of First Vice President and David Trott to the Office of Treasurer, there are now two vacancies on the ACB Board of Directors. I am going to approach those two positions in alphabetical order by the names of the gentlemen who were in those positions. So Dan Spoon's position, which has three years remaining, will come up first. And then followed by this position vacated by um, David Trott. Who was that guy? We elected treasurer. What was his name anyway? <laughs> that has his term had one year remaining. So for, um, let me just review some of the rules because things are gonna get interesting and we need to be organized and we need to listen to instructions um, all throughout this process. So the, uh, I, in, in a few moments, I will be opening the floor for nominations for the first position during the process, while we're taking nominations, identifying who speakers will be and that sort of thing, before and, and having speeches, as I presume there, will, there could be and maybe speeches, um, that, will, that will move along. When we are finished with that portion, we then start the process, if there is a contested race, of distribution of paper ballots. Once the distribution of paper ballots begins, the doors are closed. And during the balloting process, no one goes out or comes in because we have to assure the number of ballots stay in the room and the security of the election. Is everybody good with that? Okay. So there will be volunteers at all of the doors, and there are numerous doors in this room. And once I say, or once um, the lane, the coordinator of volunteers, um, gives them the word that we start distribution of ballots, those volunteers will be at the doors, and they won't let anyone in, and they won't let anyone out for that election. 
they will open up between elections. All right, is that clear? All right. So I think we are ready to open up the first position. You must position. have your badge to get a ballot, too. Oh, that's a very good point. You need to be wearing your badge to vote. We've talked about it during the week, that your badge needed to have a, a dot on it. So now is not the time to realize that your dot is missing. So we have um, alerted people that they needed to check their badges. So be sure you have your badge on to qualify to vote. Um, if you don't, they will not hand you a ballot. So, all right. The, um, the first position for the ACB Board of Directors is open for nominations from the floor. Madam President. I recognize a gentleman. Please identify yourself. Madam President, this is Oral Miller from Washington, D.C. And uh, the purpose of uh, this presentation is to place in nomination the name of Doug Powell of Falls Church, Virginia, for the position of board member. And Doug Powell's um, occupation? Doug is a part-time uh, trainer Trainer with <laughs> National Industries for the Blind. He, he uh, actually performs another function with another organization also. He's a very, very busy fellow. And, All right. Uh, we don't need a speech quite yet, Oral, but... Uh, <laughs> a longer presentation will come later. I think so. Okay. Madam President... All right. I believe I recognize um, Leslie, Leslie Spoon. Yes. I would like to put um, in the name of nomination Fred Scheigert from CCLVI. Fred Scheigert's name has been placed and in nomination. And how do we spell his last name, please? Can you spell his last name for us? Hold on one second. S-C-H-E-I-G-E-R-T. That's what I thought, but I wasn't going to guess. Sure. You know? Thank you. <laughs> All right, and where does Fred reside? I'm sorry? Where does he live? He lives in Saratoga, Saratoga Springs, New York. Saratoga Springs, New York. And, he's and his occupation or work status, retired? Harness working? horse race owner. Harness horse race owner. Okay. All right. We have the name of Doug Powell. And we have the name of Fred Scheiger placed in nomination. Are there any other nominations from the floor? Are there any other nominations for the floor? I'll say it one more time, but I think I did it three times already. Are there any other nominations from the floor? Hearing none, we will close nominations and we will proceed to hear the candidacy speeches for the two candidates. Doug, who will be speaking on your behalf since you were nominated first? Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, Oral Miller will be speaking for me and uh, Michael Byington. All right. And I believe you have a collective total of five minutes. And we will, that's between the two of you to share. So remember, sharing is a good thing when you're up there giving your speeches. Don't leave your seconder hanging. <laughs> and I'd like to identify who will be speaking on behalf of Fred Scheigert. 
Uh, uh, Leslie Spoon, President CCLVI, will be speaking on my behalf. Thank you. Okay, and she will be your only speaker. That's perfectly acceptable. Thank you. All right. Oral, are you at a mic, and are you ready? Yes. All right, go ahead. Okay, thank you very much. It is indeed an honor and a pleasure to be speaking in support of such a such a proven, tenacious, versatile, and sensible man as Doug Powell. He is a native of Illinois and an Indiana University graduate, and he did most of his working years, technically he is, he is retired, he did most of his working years for the National Education Association until he became blind through natural causes. He left national industries, or national education, in uh, 1996, although he already had various uh, sports accomplishments in behalf of or in connection with blind sports. Some of these included, uh, let's see, the triathlon, as far back as 1986. And by this time also, he had become very much involved in promoting blind sports with others, and he helped form and was involved in forming the Northern Virginia Blind Athletes in the late 1990s. And uh, the promotion of... Uh, School sports such as goalball, bowling, and uh, other activities. Swimming also, which is an activity of his and one in which he has excelled over the years. He reached children in school, but at the same time he was meeting people in the American Council of the Blind and establishing extremely important connections and undertaking many important duties there. And in connection with this, he met members of the uh, Northern Virginia organization as well as others nationwide. He joined the what was then the Old Dominion Council of the Blind and became extremely active in that organization undertaking a number of uh, very important duties, including such things as the convention coordinator in 2005 for the uh, Northern, Two and a half minutes Northern used. Virginia chapter. And uh, already he had uh, been president of the uh, local chapter. And uh, in the past five years, he has advanced greatly in connection with ACB in such activities as, well, for example... Three minutes he, used. Three all minutes. right. He's on the Rehab Issues Task Force in 2013. He went on the board of the public... Uh, let's see. It's the... Yes. He, he went on the board of uh, 
it's Board of Publications. It's unclear on this particular note here. <laughs> Sorry about that. And bottom line is he has advanced greatly. He has used his past skills and his present skills and has advanced Four minutes out of used. retirement. That concludes my remarks. All right. I would encourage Michael Byington to talk very quickly in the one minute remaining. <laughs> Thank you. He ben. does. Is my okay? There I'm on. Uh, I want to second the nomination of Doug Powell and say that there are certain basic issues that people who move into leadership with ACB need to understand and know. The rehabilitation system, the special education system, the national industries for the blind system are all issues in all organizations where we need to have board members that have an intimate knowledge of how the system works now so we can try to keep improving it and keep it working better. Doug Powell's credentials most definitely qualify him in understanding these systems and being able to move aggressively toward improvement of them. His work on the rehabilitation task force of ACB has been superlative, and this is the type of focus Time. that we're going to need to continue to have. Thank I therefore am very proud to nominate <laughs> him, and I conclude. <laughs> Your time has expired. Thank you, Michael. <laughs> All right. All right. We will now recognize the speaker for Fred Shigert, Leslie Spoon. Thank you so much. Um, so I come, I come with you guys today to talk about Fred Shigert, a wonderful man that has been involved in CCLVI, Council of Citizens with Low Vision International, for 38 years. A wonderful man lives in Saratoga Springs. I've gotten to know him over the years being on the board of directors for CCLVI and now being president of CCLVI. Um, you ask Fred to do anything, he'll do it for you, with you. This man is a wonderful man. A lot of this organization does not know Fred personally. I have actually gotten the time, taken the time to know him. He's a great friend. He's done the scholarships the last couple of years, I believe since 2006, the Fred Scheigert scholarships for CCLVI. He brings three um, scholarship winners in for students. He loves students. He, that's his passion. Um, $3,000 scholarships, three $3,000 scholarships that he gives through CCLVI for the students, which is just a wonderful and amazing um, generosity through him. He does do horses, uh, harness horses, um, in Saratoga Springs. He, he owns nine horses, and he's just a wonderful man. I, I urge you to really get to know him, and hopefully he'll be on the board of directors. Thank you so much. Thank you. Now I'm going to recognize Lane Waters for just a couple announcements regarding this election process. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Just to reiterate, a couple of the rules in, uh, surrounding, this, surrounding this important function. We are lucky to have a number of volunteers in the room this morning. There are, in case you don't know, there are just a ton of doors in this room, going in and out of this room. And we have volunteers at almost every one of them.
So once these doors are closed, no one will be allowed in and no one will be allowed out. One other thing, please, once the balloting begins, please refrain, if you can, from moving around the room. It is very difficult for us to monitor what's happening when people are moving around. So those are the two main, or two main rules. Please don't go in and out. You won't be allowed to go in and out. And please refrain from moving around the room if you can. Would that, would the, will the volunteers who are going to be handle the, handling the balloting please come forward? Thank you. Right. So remember I said there would be instructions. So the first step in this process is distribution of ballots to the entire room. Lane is working with the volunteers to do that. So that's going to take a while because there's hundreds of people in this room. So you're going to get handed a ballot. You do not do anything to that ballot until I come back and tell you specifically what you will be doing. Leave it alone, don't tear it up, don't do origami, don't do any of those things. All right, so while the doors are shut, the, the volunteers will start distribution. We are going to have a resolution. So you need to listen for Mr. Mark. He is coming to the microphone. Hello there. The microphone is on. Good morning, one and all. So I really appreciated Tony's remarks about states being involved in advocacy, and our first little resolution today is exactly about that. Nevada, are you awake out there? <laughs> Whereas the members... <laughs> I missed it. Something funny happened, and I missed it. Member, whereas members of the Nevada Council of the Blind uh, embarked upon a legislative campaign aimed at ensuring that medications dispensed within the state of Nevada would be provided with drug labeling that is accessible to Nevadans who are blind or visually impaired. And whereas these, Nevada, these Nevadans with vision loss uh, recruited Nevada State Senator Moises Dennis. Uh, Nevada State Senator Moises Dennis. Yes, I said that already. Would you like to hear it again? <laughs> Nevada State Senator Moises Dennis, former Nevada State Assemblyman and current representative of Nevada's State Senate <coughs> District 2, uh, to serve as the principal legislative champion for this critical campaign. And whereas Senator Dennis worked hard to pass Senate Bill 131, which will place prescription label readers into the hands of all Nevadans who need them, and whereas the uh, vital legislation that Senator Dennis and the Nevada Council of the Blind achieved, thanks to their vision and determination, should serve as a worthy exemplar of the power that state chapters of the American Council of the Blind possess to affect meaningful, positive change in the lives of all people with vision loss. Now, therefore, be it resolved that the American Council of the Blind commends the women and men of the Nevada Council of the Blind and the extraordinary leadership of Nevada State Senator Moises Dennis, for exemplary and successful advocacy 
on a four accessible drug labeling statewide in Nevada. And be it further resolved that this organization, through its national office staff, offer its affiliates as appropriate such public policy counsel and related support as they may uh, whoops, as they may request to assist them with efforts to achieve the critical policy objectives of uh, accessible drug labeling in every state. And of course, we recommend a do pass and ISO move. Thank you. Okay. All right, the resolution motion has been made and seconded to adopt this resolution. All those in favor say aye. aye. Opposed? Congratulations to Nevada for Woo-hoo! some very good advocacy. All right, ballots are still being distributed. So we will take another short resolution. Another short resolution. And don't forget the head table for ballots. Oh, yes. Uh, this, anybody out there have student loans that you're paying off? There's some of you. All right. That's what this is about. And whereas many people who are blind or visually impaired have significant student loan debt, and whereas there are U.S. Department of Education regulations that enable uh, individuals with disabilities to claim a waiver to forgive their student loan debt, and whereas the Internal Revenue Service, IRS, generally regards such debt forgiveness as taxable income. And whereas, notwithstanding this rule, the IRS has uh, vacillated with respect to a policy that allows persons with disabilities to receive a debt forgiveness waiver to not regard this uh, income as taxable. Now, therefore, be it resolved by us that this organization requests the IRS to adopt a permanent policy to enable persons with disabilities to claim a waiver that will not consider college uh, loan forgiveness as a taxable event. And we, of course, recommend a do pass, and I so move. All right. Motion's been made and seconded. I. I think this is a pretty important resolution. I can't believe your debt is taxed. That's amazing. Okay, so all those in favor of this resolution signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? The motion, the resolution is adopted. Yay. All right. Now, here's my question. Does everyone eligible to vote in the hall have a paper ballot? Okay, okay. the no's need to raise their hands so that we can fill in the little spots that might have gotten missed here. Remember to try to stay in one place so that keep your hands up because there's a lot of people in the room. Arm aerobics today. All right, we're not going to start another activity because we're very close to having all the ballots distributed. So, some folks still in the back need ballots. (laughs) 
and I don't tell jokes. Aren't you glad? <laughs> All right, one more time. One more time. Do anyone who does not have a ballot raise your hand? Are there any people raising their hands? There's somebody in the I'm middle Chicago, raising I a hand. Don't stretch right now. No stretching, just raising hand for a ballot. <laughs> All right. Our... Oh, he does not have a dot. Okay. All right. I'm sorry. All right. So, all right. So, everyone has a paper ballot. My instructions are if you wish to vote for Doug Powell, you tear one corner off your ballot. If you wish to vote for Fred Scheigart, you tear two corners off your ballot. Don't tear your ballot in half, that doesn't do it. You remove the corners. One corner for Doug, two corners for Fred. So you can proceed to vote. And as you're proceeding to vote, now the volunteers will come around with the ballot collection box. And we will now have another resolution. And then following the resolution, um, we will have the roll call vote. So I don't want people moving around for the roll call vote until all the ballots have been collected. Thank you. Oh, okay. I, I, okay, great. She says I can go. I think she means out the door. I, I didn't think she meant that I should read. This one is about an accessibility issue that perhaps some of us haven't thought about before. Are we good? Okay. Uh, whereas clear glass doors represent a potential... Guys, if you can hush for a moment, I'd short... Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, whereas clear glass doors represent a potential hazard for people with low vision who are sometimes unable to distinguish doors from open space. And whereas this inability to recognize doors can result in accidents that can potentially cause damage or injury. And whereas for other access issues, the United States Access Board has developed, studied, and implemented appro uh, approaches and standards which protect and enhance the right of people with disabilities to full and safe access to the community. Now, therefore, be it resolved by... Uh, us that the staff that the staff of this organization are hereby instructed to carry this issue to the United States Access Board so that they may develop and potentially implement appropriate solutions for this 
serious concern, and be it further resolved that this organization directs the staff and directors of the American Council of the Blind to report on what progress has been made by the Access Board over the next year to the Environmental Access Committee at our 2018 convention. We recommend a due pass, and I so move. Motion has been made and seconded to adopt this resolution. All those in favor say aye. aye. Opposed? The motion, the resolution is adopted. All right. I'm waiting to hear if, how ballot collection is going. There are still collectors going around collecting ballots, and they are nearly through. So I'll check in one moment to make sure anyone's still holding a ballot. Okay. All right. So we're finishing, we're finishing up the back of the room with ballot collection, but if the other um, ballot folks, if you still have a ballot in your hand... Raise your hand so we can find you and collect your ballot. Thank you. There's a, okay. All right, we're almost collected here. Calm, cool, not cool today. It's getting a little toasty up here. It really is. <laughs> the, the stage is a little warmer today. I wore my jacket and everything and phew. <laughs> I'll have to start taking things off soon. That could be a problem. <laughs> All right. One more time. Does anyone still have a ballot in their hand? We're done? Oh, there's one more. Couple. Almost. Keep that hand up. Far back left. Okay. All right. I am assured by all our spotters, everyone's ballot has been collected. So, Mr. Secretary, proceed to the roll call. Thank you, Madam President. Okay, this is, again, alphabetical order like we did Saturday night. So, please get to microphones um, before your state is called, it will, and your affiliate is called, I should say, it will make this go a little faster. With that, here we go. Alabama, seven votes. We cast all seven votes for Doug Powell. Seven, Powell. Arizona, three votes. Arizona, three votes. Okay, Arizona, I'm, I'm the alternate delegate, Jeff has left. Arizona casts one vote for Powell, two votes for Shigert. One, one, Powell, two, Shigert. Arkansas, three votes. What did I just say? Arkansas has two for Powell, one for Shigert. Two Powell, one Shigert. California, 25 votes. California casts all of its votes for Doug Powell. 25 Powell. Delaware, one vote. Delaware casts one vote, Powell. One Powell. D.C., two votes. 
the District of Columbia cast its votes for Doug Powell. To Powell. Florida, 25. Florida, 25. Come on, guys. All right. I couldn't get out. You couldn't get Okay. <laughs> Florida, let, let Florida cast 16.5, Doug, 8.5, Schreiger. Um, okay, 16.5, Powell, 8.5, Schreiger. Georgia, 7. Uh, Georgia cast four votes for Shiger, three for Powell. Three Powell for Shiger. Hawaii, three votes. Uh, Hawaii, three votes. Fred. Three, three Shiger. Illinois, three votes. Mr. Secretary, I'm sorry, three, three votes. Yes, sir. Three, okay. It is 2.5, Doug Powell, 0 0.5, Fred Scheiger. 2.5, Powell, 0.5, Scheiger. Indiana, eight votes. Indiana casts eight votes for Doug Powell. Okay, eight, Powell. Iowa, four votes. Uh, four votes, Doug Powell. Four, Powell. Kansas, four votes. Kansas, two votes, Powell, two votes, Shigert. Two, Powell, two, Shigert. Bluegrass, four votes. Bluegrass Council of the Line cast two votes for Powell and two votes for Shigert. Two, Powell, two, Shigert. Kentucky, 12 votes. Kentucky Council of the Blind votes six for Fred and six for Doug. Six, Powell, six, Shiger. Louisiana, four votes. Three votes, Doug Powell, one vote, Fred Shiger. Three, Powell, four, one, Shiger. Maine, two votes. ACB of Maine, two votes. Maine, two votes for Shiger. Okay. To Shiger. Um, Maryland, two votes. Maryland cast 1.5 Shiger, 0.5 Powell. Okay. 0.5 Powell, 1.5 Shiger. Correct. Bay State, seven votes. Bay State casts four votes, Doug, three votes, Fred. Four, Powell, three, three Shiger. Michigan, five votes. Michigan casts five votes for Doug Powell. Five, five, Powell. Minnesota, three votes. Two, Powell, one, Shiger. Two, Powell, one, Shiger. Mississippi, four votes. Mississippi, four votes. Doug Powell. For, for Powell. Missouri, 25. Missouri cast, 25 votes for Doug Powell. 25, Powell. Montana, two votes. One for Doug, one for Fred. One, Powell, one, Shiger. 
Nebraska, one vote. Nebraska, one vote, Powell. One, Powell. Nevada, four votes. Nevada casts three votes for Powell, one vote for Shigert. Three, Powell, uh, one Shigert. New York, seven votes. New York, seven votes. Five, Shigert, two, Powell. Uh, two, two, Powell, five, Shigert. North Carolina, six votes. North Carolina casts six votes for our neighbor to the north, Doug Powell. Six. Oops. Okay, make sure I got the six. Powell. North Dakota, eight votes. North Dakota, seven. Powell, one. Shiger. Seven. Powell, one. Shiger. Ohio, eight votes. Ohio, five. Powell, three. Shiger. Five. Powell, three. Shiger. Oklahoma, 21 votes. One Shiger, 20 Powell. Okay, uh, 20 Powell, one Shigert. Oregon, six votes. Oregon, six votes for Powell. Six Powell. Pennsylvania, 12 votes. Pennsylvania cast all of its votes for Powell. 12 Powell. South Dakota, three votes. South Dakota, three votes for Powell. Three, Powell. S Tennessee, seven votes. Tennessee, seven votes for our neighbor, Doug Powell. Seven, Powell. Texas, 14 votes. Texas, 10 votes for Powell, four for Shiger. Um, <laughs> 10, Powell, four, Shiger. Utah, 25. Utah, 25. There we go. Sorry. Utah, 19, Powell, 6, Shigert. Okay. 19, Powell, 6, Shigert. Virginia, 2. I'm sorry. ACB of Virginia, 2, Powell. 2, Powell. Washington, 16. Washington casts 13, Powell, 3, Shigert. Okay, 13, Powell, uh, 3, Shigert. Mountain State, 2. Mountain State Council of the Blind cast 2 votes, Doug Powell. 2, Powell. What's that? Wisconsin, 1. Wisconsin casts its 1 vote for Powell. 1, Powell. Wyoming, 2. Wyoming, 1, Powell. Um, repeat that one more time. It's a two. Wyoming, I see your two Powell. Wyoming one, Powell. Okay. Oh, you, you've got two. I've got you down for two votes. So you, two. <laughs> second one, Powell. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. We got you. Two Powell. Thank you. And AAVL one. Mr. Secretary, AAVL proudly casts its one vote for Powell. One, Powell. Um, teachers, two. 
American Association of Blind Teachers cast two votes for Doug Powell. To Powell. Attorneys, two. The American Association of Visually Impaired Attorneys cast one vote for Powell and one vote for Scheichert. Splitting it right down the middle, the good lawyers do. One Powell, one Scheichert. <laughs> Diabetics, three. Repeat. Uh, diabetics, three. Oh, uh, uh, yes. <clears throat> diabetics in Action proudly casts three votes for Doug Powell. Three. Powell. Families, two. Families cast 1.5 for Powell, 0.5 for Schreiger. Okay. 1.5 Powell, 0.5 Schreiger. Government employees, one. Yes, government employees votes one vote, uh, Doug Powell. One Powell. Lions, two. ACB Lions cast one vote for Doug Powell, one vote for Lion Fred Scheigert. Okay. You won't get fined, Mitch. One Powell, one Scheigert. Thank you. Okay. Radio Amateurs, one. Radio Amateurs casts one vote, Powell. One Powell. Students, two. They're probably still laughing from last night. Students, two. Hi. Uh, two votes for Fred Scheiger. Okay. Two Scheiger. Bits, four. Line Information Technology Specialist for Powell. For Powell. Blind Pride, five. Blind Pride uh, cast five votes for Powell. Five Powell. BRL, eight. Braille Revival League casts eight votes, Doug Powell. Eight Powell. CCLVI, 11. CCLVI, 7 for Scheiger, 4 for Doug. Okay, let me get that down. 4, Powell, 7, Scheiger. Friends in Art, 2. Friends in Art, cast 2 votes, Powell. 2, Powell. GDUI, 19. GDUI, 5 votes for um, Doug and 14 votes for Fred. Okay, GDUI, 5, Powell, 14, Scheiger. Ivy, 2. Ivy casts, oh, sorry about that. Um, Ivy casts 1.5 votes for Powell and 0.5 for Fred Scheiger. Okay, 1.5, Powell, 0.5, Scheiger. Lua, 4. Lua casts 3.5 votes for Powell, 0.5 votes for Scheigert. <clears throat> 3.5, Powell, 0.5, Scheigert. Vendors, 22. Or 22 for Powell. 22, Powell. Veterans, 2. 1, Powell, 1, Shriver. One Powell, one Shagert. Madam President, that completes roll call.
All right. Yes, thank you. On tonight's episode, we will have a, our results of our election quite soon. So, so please stay tuned for additional information from your sponsor. Got the vote count, Kim, if you want it. Okay, well, let's see. Oh, that's all out. They got a few. All right, we are very, very close. Just a few more moments, and we will have the results. And, uh, okay. All right. I, I'm perfectly fine having Nancy um, give you the, the counts and the percentages. So please listen. Here's Nancy Becker. This is Nancy's first time, so we're just uh, verifying how she gives that. Did someone ask for a point of order? Do you want to hear the results, or is it a point of order related to something? The voting. About the vote? Yes, the voting process. Okay, I can't hear you. Can you get this mic turned on? It is that. Oh, okay. I think uh, Carolyn Burley and myself, Mary Lynn Pifa, we just want to bring up what might be considered a point of order. Our delegate, State of Ohio, never came to ask our opinion. I don't know. I think that's, that's something you need to take care of internally. Okay. Um, I didn't know how to that, handle it. That doesn't impact the vote that we've just taken, but that's certainly an issue you can talk to them about. Thank you. Are you ready for the results? All right, Nancy. Okay, so the grand total is 502 votes for Doug Powell, 159 votes for Fred Scheigert. Okay, the percentage for the affiliate votes is percentage total is 75.9% for Doug Powell and 24.1% for Fred Scheigert. I believe, uh, is there... Hold on. Hold on. We're getting it. We're getting it. Hold on. 
Like I said, this is Nancy's first time, so she wants to do it right. <laughs> Be patient. Okay. Yeah. The affiliate vote count is 315 for Doug Powell, 90 for Fred Scheigert, and the vote count was 187 for Doug Powell and 69 for Fred Scheigert. Those are the numbers. Congratulations, Doug. Thank you, Kim. Thank I'll you, recognize ACB. Doug. Thank you. Thank you, and um, I've been talking about being a teacher, and uh, I feel a little bit like uh, Eric Bridges. He said the other day that, you know, he, he uh, tried to be a, a, a scholarship winner three times, and, <laughs> and he tried to be an intern a couple times. Well, I, I was a DKM reject for three or four times, and then uh, <laughs> this is my third time running for the board, so I kind of feel in the same shoes, but uh, thank you very, very much for your vote of confidence. Uh, I will continue to listen, learn, and lead uh, as, as a board of director, and thank you very much. Thank you, Doug. All right. Okay. Is Fred at a microphone? Would he like to say something? Uh, yes. Uh, thank you. Uh, thanks to those who voted for me. And I'll continue to try for the other openings. Thank you. All right. Okay. So, we have a second position for the ACB Board of Directors on the position previously held by David Trott. Nominations are open for the position of Board of Directors for a one-year term. Madam Chair, Judy Wilkinson. Judy Wilkinson. I rise to put the name of Jeff Tom in nomination. The name of Jeff Tom has been placed in nomination. Are there any other Ma nominations Madam for the President, floor? President. Madam President. I recognize Leslie Spoon. I'd like to put Fred Scheigert in the nomination. Fred Scheigert's name has been placed in nomination. Madam President. Identify yourself, please. This is Kathy Farina from New York. Kathy, go ahead. I would like to nominate Kathy Casey for the board position. Kathy Casey's name has been placed into nomination. Uh, Madam President. I, uh, I think I'm hearing from Kathy Casey, perhaps. Oh, no, sorry. This is Carrie Regan from New York. Okay. Uh, I, am, I would like to put Gretchen Mowney's name uh, from Missouri into nomination. Gretchen. Mowney, M-A-U-N-E. M-A-U-N-E. From Missouri. All right. So we currently have four names in nomination. I hesitate to say, but I am obligated to do so. Are there any other nominations from the floor? Hearing none, nominations will close, and I need to get some additional information on the candidates. First of all, I'd like to know about Jeff Tom, his... Residence is Sacramento, California, and his um, work or retirement status? I am a retired attorney working part-time for the Department of Rehabilitation. Thank you. And did everyone hear Jeff? He's a semi-retired attorney um, working for the Department of Rehabilitation. All right. And we heard about Fred, so we know he's from Saratoga, New York and a harness horse um, owner. All right. Um, the, yes, 
Kathy Casey. Yes. Where uh, this do is, you reside and what do you do? Um, this is, oh. Okay. Uh, Kathy Casey or yeah, her this nominee. Is, this is Kathy Casey. Thank I'm you, Kathy. Retired New York State employee. I was the past secretary for CCLVI. Okay, you're retired, I was, I was and where do you reside? Albany, New York. Okay. All right, and Gretchen, I want to pronounce your last name correctly. Moni? Moni. Did it's, I get the emphasis in the wrong place? <laughs> it's very close. Uh, you did better than a lot of people do. It's Mauni. Mauni, okay. And you reside where, and what do you do? I live in Columbia, Missouri, and I am the accessibility coordinator for Columbia College. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Okay. All right. So we have several names to um, hear from. So, Jeff, um, each candidate can have five minutes. If you've already had someone speak on your behalf, in the case of Fred, you can choose to use some of that time again, or you can pass because we've heard your presentation. You can tell us that once we get to you in the order of nominations. Jeff, who will be making your um, nomination speeches? My speakers will be Judy Wilkinson from California and Burl Colley from Washington. Thank you. All right. Our um, timer, our parliamentarian is ready to go. So go ahead, Judy. Well, you, this is an easy job because you all know Jeff Tom. He's served as first vice president for the past four years of the, C, of the American Council for the Blind. For 10 out of the last 15 years, he was president of the California Council of the Blind. Jeff will bring history to this board, needed history. He serves as my valued immediate past president. He does advocacy. He does voting rights. He does accessibility issues. Uh, Jeff does legislative issues. He's going tomorrow to work with a bill in California. Uh, he's our legislative advocate. We need him to be your legislative advocate. Vote for the man we all know. Thank you. Earl Colley, you have... Okay. <laughs> so, Burl, thank you. Was um, the you have basically four minutes? Okay, thank you, Madam President. Jeff Tom, that's a familiar name in this organization, as much as he's given to it over the last couple of decades. Jeff's a graduate of Willamette University in Oregon, and then he went on to Stanford University. And uh, he still roots for the Cardinals, unfortunately, but he, he has been active in the California affiliate. He's been their president a, a total of 10 years. He is very interested in advocacy and membership, and he hopes to make his focus while he's a board member on those two areas. So, Jeff, he's a personal type of guy. If you have a chance to come up and talk to him, uh, anytime, I'm sure he'd be glad to talk to you, Jeff Tom. Thank you, Burl. All right. Fred, do you wish to pass on speakers since we heard Leslie's speech? Or? 
Madam Secretary, uh, excuse me, Madam President, we're going that to pass. That doesn't sound like Fred. I think that's Robert, <laughs> no. perhaps? It's Robert. Okay. We're going to pass. Okay. Thank you. All right. Kathy, who will be speaking on your behalf? I'm, where the heck is the mic? You need to be at a microphone. I'm trying to find Okay. It. Forward, two feet. To your right. Okay, okay. Oh. here I am. Oh, good. This is Kathy Farina. I am speaking on behalf of Kathy Casey. Kathy is a retired employee of New York State Office of General Services. She has, uh, she's a very active member of our local Capital District ACB chapter. She has also served on the ACBNY board as uh, first vice president, past first vice president. Um, she is currently president of New York State Council of Citizens with Low Vision. And she has also been secretary of um, the national CCLVI. Um, I believe that she would be a good representative on the board uh, because of her, her long years of experience with the organization in various capacities. Thank you. And does is, is that conclude the time you wish to use on Kathy's behalf? Yes. Okay. Yes. Thank you very much. All right, Gretchen, who will be speaking on your behalf? Uh, hi. Uh, one moment. I'm sorry. Okay. So my question was, who will be speaking on your behalf? Uh, yes, I'm sorry. I just okay. needed one moment. Um, I was hoping that uh, I didn't plan this out ahead of time a lot, so I was hoping that uh, John McCann might speak on my behalf. Does he accept? Um, he's an officer. Gretchen, with all due respect, sorry, by custom and tradition in this organization, you, officers don't speak. Um, so with regrets, I must decline. Yes, it is, it is not written in the Constitution, but it is a custom and a practice that officers in the organization do not speak on in support of candidates. Okay, um, that's a uh, newsflash, thank you. Um, other person I was gonna ask was an officer as well, so. <laughs> um, it's also but, traditional to uh, communicate with people in advance so that they know that you might be asking, so. Um, you, you can speak on your own behalf, Gretchen, that is acceptable as well, so, you know. Okay. Not, um, I'm not I, well, trying to discourage you. I'm just saying you, you can yep. speak. And, 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 and this is Carrie Regan. I'm also available. So, uh, Thank you. Yep. I would love to have Carrie speak on my behalf, okay. and then I will be my own second speaker. Okay. Sounds right. good. Go um, ahead, Carrie. Thank you. All right. Uh, I have known Gretchen since 2010. Uh, we met at the Phoenix Convention, and she has always struck me as someone who is very politically aware, very savvy as to both... Um, uh, disability rights and the work, and the work on, on blindness in particular. She is someone who lost her vision later in life, but has taken a, uh, has stepped, has jumped into things feet first. She is very heavily involved in the Missouri Council of the Blind, uh, especially in the Columbia chapter. Uh, she was also involved in the American Council of Blind Students. When I was on the board, she was very helpful in that. And uh, as we know, she has gotten up to speak during some of the re resolutions at this convention. Uh, she's very interested in speaking, uh, making sure that all voices are heard, 
and that a uh, this, this generation with, uh, that she's a part of is well represented uh, within the American Council of the Blind. So I do hope that you will consider uh, adding her uh, very uh, her voice to the board. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. All right, there's one minute. Okay, thank one, you. One, about one and a half minutes used. Go ahead, Gretchen. Yes, thank you, Madam President. I have been a member of ACB since uh, I discovered it two years after going blind in 2008, and I first joined MCB. It helped me get back on my feet tremendously. Since then, I've become a disability rights advocate across my state and nation, serve uh, on the Columbia, City of Columbia Disabilities Commission for the city, uh, serve on the board of my Unitarian Universalist Church, and have started an accessibility ministries team at my church. Um, I also have served on the Wolfner Library Advisory Council for the state of Missouri, and uh, PedNet, uh, which we just passed Vision Zero for Columbia, which I helped pass in Columbia. Um, I have been an activist, an advocate nationally and locally involved in many different things. Um, This is my seventh convention and it's very important to me to listen to everyone. While I don't maybe know all of the traditional ropes and rules that a lot of the older folks know here, I do know Robert's rules very well and believe very passionately in democracy and became a member of this organization because of its grassroots nature. And I, if elected, would do everything in my power to help that nature thrive and make sure everyone knows how to have their voice heard and how to participate, especially uh, newer folks that want to get involved so we can have this organization continue to thrive. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right, we are going to begin the ballot distribution process. And I know you all remember that you don't do anything to your ballot. It's going to be really important this time to leave that ballot pristine until you get your instructions. So the doors have closed and the ballot distribution is beginning and we are going to tune back in to our hero of the day, our superhero. One, one door way back in the back of the room, not closed. It could get closed. All right. All right, we are back to Mr. Reichert. How many of you out there like library books, talking books? Well, then you're going to like this one. If you don't, there's something wrong with you. How's that? Listen up. Whereas the nation's regional libraries that provide services in concert with the National Library Service, NLS, enable people who are blind or who have low vision to have a window on the world through the availability of books and other reading materials. And whereas more than a half of these regional libraries rely on the Institute for Museum and Library Services, IMLS, as their provision, as, as their primary funding source, And whereas budget proposals in the United States Congress call for the elimination 
of the IMLS. And whereas, if the IMLS were to be eliminated or the funding level for IMLS sharply reduced, doing so will have a potentially devastating impact on regional library services uh, for those libraries that rely on IMLS funds. Now, therefore, be it resolved that this organization work to ensure that IMLS funding levels are not reduced during the, the 2018 federal fiscal year, and we heartily recommend a do pass, and I so move. So, motion's been made and seconded to adopt this resolution. All those in favor say aye. aye. Opposed? Being a librarian, I have to say thank you. Um, my library does not use IMLS funding, but at least as the resolution stated, almost half of the regional libraries affiliated with NLS throughout the country use IMLS to some degree to fund their programs. So this is very important to library services, so thank you. All right, we're still distributing ballots. All right, can you, um, who does not have a ballot, raise your hand so spotters can see where they might have missed. I raised my. He's about to hand it to me. All right, raise your hands if you do not have a ballot. Couple, keep those hands up. There's just a few folks who still need a ballot. We're almost there. Oh, one more person in the back. Okay, I think we're good. Everybody's got a ballot who is eligible to vote. All right. Here come your ballot casting instructions. Let's see if I can do this. <laughs> Four corners. Four corners. All right. To vote for Jeff Tom, remove one corner. Fred Scheigert, two corners. Kathy Casey, three corners. Gretchen Moni. Did I do it right yet? Mowney. I'll get it. <laughs> Four corners. I'm sorry, Gretchen. Would you like that repeated? Okay. One corner, Jeff Tom. Two corners, Fred Scheigert. Three corners, Kathy Casey. Four corners, Gretchen. Mowney. You got it. Good job. Thank you. All right. Cast your ballots. Be, be very careful if you need to. Yeah. I've had a request to repeat the instructions one more time. Jeff Tom, one corner removed. Fred Scheigert, two corners. Kathy Casey, three corners. Gretchen Mowney, four corners. 
Yes. All right. We ha- and we have a pointer for, for corner tearing. Um, this pointer is you might fold your corner in, fold it down a little bit, and then tear on the fold. That might help you make a nice, clean removal of your corner. Or you can chew it off. Or <laughs> no, our, ball- our, our vote, uh, vote counters don't want you to slobber on your ballot. <laughs> That's one dog guide bite for Jeff Tom. And, and, no, and no dog teeth. They don't count either. <laughs> I guess I... <laughs> no hanging chaff. That's right. All right. The, um, the ballot collectors are ready to begin the, the collection process. Oh, that's my bad. Okay. <laughs> so, um, so hold your ballots, and the ballot box will be coming around. And while the ballot box is coming around, guess what we're going to do? A resolution. <laughs> Everybody keeps... John is just on pins and needles because, you know, he doesn't really have a short bylaw, so that's why I don't call on him. So <laughs> it's not his fault. That'll learn you. I know. It's not his fault he doesn't have a short bylaw. He has a long bylaw and a short bylaw, but we can't do the short bylaw till we do the long bylaw. So you understand here, right? <laughs> Mark rolls his eyes at the president. <laughs> All right, very good. Uh, here we go. Uh, sorry, door prize people. We'll, we'll, we'll get you some door prizes, I promise. All right, stay tuned. How many people, how many people here have actually gambled since they've been here this week? Yeah. All right, please let me. How many of you have won something? All right, well, we're meeting afterwards. You can give me a pointer. I have, I'm completely broke. I'm going to have to stay in Reno. All right, so pay attention. This resolution is about the accessibility of gaming. Uh, we, uh, it's, 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 the subject matter is motherhood and apple pie. The reading might be a little rough only because the, the text is a little rough and I'll explain that at the end when we do our recommendation. Okay. It, it's all good. No controversy. Just, uh, have fun. Fasten your seatbelt. So whereas the blind and visually impaired community want to be able to independently access the various slot machines and lottery tickets, And whereas the technology is now available at a reasonable expense to enable speech in the various slot machines, and whereas the technology exists to enable an app to be created on a smartphone to be able to interact with the machines, which would not severely impact the Gaming Commission's ability to do business. Now, uh, therefore, be it resolved that this organization call upon the Gaming Commission, other regulatory agencies governing the use of and sale of lottery tickets and gaming machines to start developing technology so as to include the blind and visually impaired in their market to the point that they no longer have to wait for a sighted person who is willing to sit with them at the machines. All right, so as you can hear, uh, again, uh, our, the committee is certainly favorable to this, resolution favorable to this. I think we know what... 
we're trying to achieve here. There were just a lot of questions in terms of logistics, et cetera, particularly the combination. You know, some solutions work for machines where other the lottery tickets uh, may pose a different issue. Therefore, your committee, in its grand wisdom, has decided to recommend that we refer this resolution to the inf both the Information Access and the Environmental Access Committees. So our motion is to refer to those two committees for their consideration and potential action, and I so move. Right. Motion's been made and seconded to refer this resolution to the Information Access in cooperation with the Environmental Access Committees. All those in favor of the motion to refer, signify by saying aye. aye. Opposed? No. The motion to refer has been passed. still collecting ballots. Just double checking here for a moment. I was busy and I just turned around and waved my ballot and it went away and I hope it was, I gave it to someone who was a good person. <laughs> I don't know. Dolly's having a little oh, Nancy snack. took it. <laughs> so. I will ask, does anyone still have a ballot in their hand? Raise your hand. We're getting close. Raise your hand high if you still have a ballot in it. I have been given the all clear. I'm not hearing anything from out there. So, ballots have been collected. All right. Mr. Secretary... Roll call. Okay, well, here we go. Again, we're in alphabetical order, so start moving the microphones. Alabama, seven votes. Alabama cast all seven votes for Jeff Tom. Seven, Tom. Arizona, three. Arizona cast three votes for Jeff Tom. Three, Tom. Arkansas, three. One for Tom, one for Shiger. And half for Casey and half for Gretchen. Thank you. Okay, let me make sure I got that right. One Powell, one Shigert, 0.5 Casey, 0.5. That's what she said. One, one Tom. Oh, that was, that was me. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm screwing up this year. I don't know what the heck's going on. Um, one, one Tom, one Shigert, 0.5 Casey, 0.5 Mountie. Okay, got it right this time. California, 25. California casts 22 votes for Jeff, two for Gretchen, and one for Fred. Um, 22, Tom. Um, uh, how many for Gretchen? I'm sorry. Two. Two and one for? Fred. Okay, I got to get the numbers in the right spots. Okay, 22, Tom, one, Shigert, two, Mountie. Delaware, one vote. One vote, Jeff, Tom. One, Tom. D.C., two. D.C. cast 1.5 for Tom, uh, 0.5 for Shigert. 1.5, Tom, 0.5, Shigert. Florida, 25. 
Florida Cass, 11 Tom, 7 Shigert, 7 Mountie. Uh, 11 Tom, 7 Shigert, 7 Mountie, is that correct? Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Got it. Georgia, 7. Uh, Georgia casts all seven votes to our neighbor, Fred Shiger. Seven Shiger. Hawaii, three. Hawaii casts all three votes for Jeff Tom. Three Tom. Illinois, three. Illinois, three Tom. Three Tom. Indiana, eight. Four, Indiana cast four votes for Jeff Tom, four votes for Gretchen. Hey, over to the right column here. Four, Tom, four, Mountie. Iowa, four. Uh, Jeff, 2.5. Gretchen, one. Fred, 0.5. Uh, 2.5, Tom, 0.5, Shigert, one, Mountie. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, it adds up to four. Good. Uh, Kansas, four. Kansas cast two votes for Shigert and two votes for Gretchen Mountie. Two Shigert, two Mountie. Bluegrass, four. Bluegrass cast four votes for Jeff Tom. Four Tom. Kentucky, 12. Kentucky Council of the Blind, 12 votes. Jeff Tom. 12, Tom. Louisiana, 4. 2, Tom. 1, Casey. 1, Shiger. Okay. 2, Tom. 1, Shiger. 1, Casey. Maine, 2. 2, Shiger. 2, Shiger. Maryland, 2. Maryland Cass. One vote, Casey. One vote, Tom. Okay. One, Tom. One, Casey. Bay State, seven. Bay State Council of Blind casts 3.5 for Fred, 3.5 for Jeff. 3.5, Tom. 3.5, Shiger. Michigan, five. Michigan casts five votes for Jeff Tom. Five, Tom. Minnesota, three. Minnesota votes all for uh, Tom. Three, Tom. Mississippi, four. Mississippi, one, Tom. Three, Mountie. One, Tom. Three, Mountie. Missouri, 25. Missouri cast 25 votes for Gretchen. Okay, 25, Mountie. Montana, two. Montana Blind and Low Vision Council has two for Tom. Two, Tom. One, or, or excuse me, Nebraska, one. Nebraska, one for Jeff Tom. One, Tom. Nevada, four. What? Oh, my apologies. No problem. Nevada votes... Three for Jeff Tom and one for Gretchen Mountie. One, three Tom, one Mountie. Uh, New York, seven. New York 
3.5 Casey, 2.5 Mountie, 1 Tom. Okay, let me make sure I got all that. And it adds up to 7. I got 1 Tom, 3.5 Casey, 2.5 Mountie. That's correct. Thank you. North Carolina, 6. 6 votes for Tom. 6 Tom. North Dakota, 8. North Dakota, 4.5 Tom, 3.5 Mountie. 4.5 Tom, 3.5 Mountie. <coughs> Ohio, 8. Three Tom, two Casey, three Shigert. Three Tom, uh, three Shigert, two Casey. Oklahoma, 21. Ten Tom, ten Shiger, one Mountie. Ten Tom, ten Shigert, one Mountie. Oregon, six. Oregon, three Tom, three Mountie. Three Tom, Three, Mountie. Pennsylvania, 12. 12 votes for Tom. 12, Tom. South Dakota, three. South Dakota, three votes for Tom. Three, Tom. Tennessee, seven. Tennessee, three, Shigert. Two, Tom. Two, Mountie. <coughs> Two, Tom, three, Shigert, two, Mooney. Texas, 14. Texas, two, Tom, two, Shigert, and ten, Mooney. Two, Tom, two, Shigert, ten, Mooney. Utah, 25. Utah casts eight, Mooney, eight, Tom, Four, Shigert, and three, Casey. Okay, let me get that. I hope I did my math correct. Um, that adds up to 23, John. I got, I've got eight, Tom. Uh, let me, four, Shigert, three, Casey, and eight, Mooney. So that adds up to 23. Oh, so it does. <laughs> Trust Excel from Microsoft. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I do not make Excel for Microsoft. <laughs> you, you, okay. don't, you don't have to cast them if you don't want I to. I do have to cast them. I, okay. feel, I feel like I need to. Uh, five Casey then. Okay. Okay. Oops. Are we well, good? We're good now. Cool. Thank you. Eight. Tom. Four, Shigert. Five, Casey. Eight, Mooney. Virginia, two. Uh, two for uh, Jeff Tom. Two, Tom. Six, Washington, 16. Washington cast 10, Tom. Point five, Casey. Five point five, Mooney. Okay, that adds up. 10, Tom, 0.5, Casey, 5.5, Mountie. Mountain State, 2. 
Mountain State cast two votes for Jeff Tom. To Tom. Wisconsin, one. Wisconsin cast one vote for Jeff Tom. One, Tom. Wyoming, two. Two for Gretchen. Get over to that column. To Mountie. AAVL, AAVL, one. AAVL, one vote, Tom. One, Tom. Teachers, two. Teachers, two votes for Jeff Tom. Two, Tom. Attorneys, two. The American Association of Visually Impaired Attorneys proudly cast its two votes for one of its members, Jeff Tom. Two, Tom. Diabetics, three. Diabetics, three for Tom. Three, Tom. Families, two. Two for Tom. Um, two, <laughs> two, Tom. <laughs> Government employees, one. Government employees, one vote for Jeff Tom. One, Tom. Lions, two. One vote, Tom. One half vote, Shigert. One half vote, Mountie. Just get everything in the right columns here. One, Tom. 0.5, Shigert, 0.5, Mountie. Radio Amateurs, one. Radio Amateurs, one vote, Tom. One, Tom. Students, two. Two for Mountie. Two, Mountie. Bits, four. Bits, four votes, Tom. Four, Tom. And uh, that, is, that was the voice of Tom Jones. He is now acting as delegate for BITS. Thank you. Uh, I was apprised of that. Um, Blind Pride, five. Okay. Uh, Blind Pride, five for Tom. Five, Tom. BRL, eight. Braille Revival League casts eight points. Jeff Tom. Eight, Tom, CCLVI, 11. CCLVI, 5 for Shiger, 2 for um, Gretchen, 3 for Casey, and 1 for Tom. Okay, 1 Tom, 5 Shiger, 3 Casey, 2 Mountie. Uh, Friends in Art, 2. Friends in Art, 2 votes for Tom. 2 Tom. GDUI, 19. GDY, 15 votes for Tom, two for Shigert, and two for Mountie. Um, 15, Tom, two, Shigert, two, Mountie. Thanks. Ivy, two. Ivy casts 1.5 for Tom and 0.5 for Fred Shigert. 1.5, Tom, 0.5, Shigert. Uh, Lua, four. Lua casts two votes for Tom, one vote for Gretchen, and one vote for Ms. Casey. Two Tom, one Casey, one Mountie. Vendors, 22. Vendors cast 22 for Tom, our attorney. Uh, okay, 22 Tom. 
Veterans, two. Visually impaired veterans of ACB, two for Tom. Two, Tom. Madam President, if that completes roll call. I'm not sure. Um, all right. Thank you, everyone. And uh, we should have the count as shortly for, um, for the position. So it might be time for that music again. <laughs> door prize folks have gone to get some more door prizes just for all of you. They're going to so pick up mine, I'm sure. I will, I'm um, I will certainly call for door prizes when they have returned. They couldn't get out of the room, you see, until just now. So, um, so now they are off to get our door prizes. So. Uh-oh. <laughs> Madam the, President, can the conductor the chair have a minute or two for announcements? Janet Dickelman can have the... the podium, the microphone for announcements. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, good morning, everybody. Morning. For those of you who are going to the focus groups for the audio description this afternoon, they will meet in Bonanza A. Remember, um, life membership is this afternoon for life members only, also in Bonanza A at 530. And the banquet will be in Ponderosa. If you do not have a banquet ticket, I'm sorry, they are now sold out. If you have not made banquet reservations, oops, if you've not made banquet reservations, go, if you have a ticket and do not have a table and would like to, go to the information desk. Also, to make arrangements for the shuttle tomorrow, stop by the information desk and give them your departure time. As far as lost and found is concerned, we have a saddle stylus. We have a bag belonging to James Reeves. We have a new backpack. Not sure what that means, but a new backpack. We have a drawstring bag containing uh, various items. Hey, I just, I just get them. I just read them. Don't, no. uh, we have a headband and a pair of sunglasses that was left on the bus from the winery tour. We have, I'm, no comment. We have a magnifier in a case. We have a cane holster. We have uh, a medication for Eve. We have an iPhone from someone in Hawaii. Ooh. And that, Madam President, concludes my announcements for the convention. Maybe. Thank you, Janet. All right. We're just waiting for a few more numbers, but we're very close. Okay, Nancy's here. I will turn the mic over to Nancy to announce the results of this race. Okay, so the grand total for Jeff Tom, 390.5. Fred Scheigert, 87.5. Kathy Casey, 29.5. And Gretchen Mound, 154.5. So the percentages, Jeff Tom is 59%, Fred Scheigert, 13.2%, Kathy Casey, 4.5%, Gretchen Mound, 
23.3%. So the counts are for the affiliates for Jeff. It's 24, sorry, 241.5. Fred Scheiger is 55.5. Kathy Casey, 17.5. And Gretchen Mound is 90.5. The vote count. Jeff Tom was 149, Fred Scheigert was 32, Kathy Casey was 12, and Gretchen Mound was 64. Congratulations to Jeff Tom for winning the majority. Jeff, are you at a microphone? I am. Thank you for electing me to a term on the board. I'm very honored. Uh, it is always wonderful to be able to serve this organization. But I'm equally satisfied at the great race that we had and all the yes. candidates that decided to run. Yes. I think that bodes well for the future of this organization. So thank you again. Thank you, Jeff. Do any other candidates wish to say a few words? Not a requirement. Sure. Madam Gretchen? President, yes. I recognize is... Gretchen. Thank you, Madam President. I uh, just wanted to say uh, a huge congratulations to Jeff Tom. Uh, I think he's uh, going to do an awesome job. I know he is. But uh, thank you also to everyone who supported me. And I am excited to run again in the future and be able to get a chance to serve ACB. Thank you, Gretchen. Thank you so much. Anyone else at a microphone? Uh, yes, Madam President. Yes, Fred. Uh, once again, thanks to those who voted for me, and I'll try again. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Fred. All right, and the doors have been opened. So let me, let me make a proposal and see what you all think. You do remember that one of the board of directors positions was um, won by Doug Powell. Doug Powell was a member of the Board of Publications. He had an elected seat on the Board of Publications. We now therefore have a vacancy on the Board of Publications. So um, I would like to propose um, if you guys can, can hold up for this. I would, I would really like to reward the man who's been incredibly patient up here on the podium, John Huffman, to do the Constitution and bylaws work. I'll let him maybe estimate how long he thinks that will be. Um, it might take 20 to 30 minutes. But, and he's laughing, oh no, that is not a good sign, but. <laughs> We need to get this work done. We also need to get the election done. So um, do you want to proceed with the election and then do Constitution bylaws, or can we do Constitution bylaws and then the election? Election. Election first. All right. I hear you. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. All right. So that also works out best for the volunteers, which I had not taken into consideration. So we will proceed 
to the position of one-year term on the Board of Publications. Um, the floor is open for nominations for a position on the Board of Publications. Are there any nominations? Madam, Madam President. Madam President. Madam President. Okay. It's the, me, the, Dan. The, the dueling spoons. Go ahead, The Leslie. dueling spoons. I'm going to recognize Leslie. Thank you, Madam President. I'd like to put Fred Scheigert in the nomination for Board of Publications. Fred Scheigert's name has been put into nomination. Dan Spoon. Are there like any other nominations from the floor? Yes, Dan Spoon. I would like to put in nomination Donna Brown from Donna, West Virginia. Donna Brown's name has been placed into Romney, nomination. West Virginia. She is a teacher at the West Virginia School. Thank you. One more time. Are there any other nominations from the floor? Hearing none, all those in favor of closing nominations and moving to an election, say aye. Opposed? All right. So we have Fred Scheigert from Saratoga, New York, who's a harness horse race owner. And we have Donna Brown from Romney, West Virginia, who is a teacher at the West Virginia School for the Blind. Fred, are you okay with the speeches that have made, been made on your behalf? Yes, he is. Okay, thank you. Donna, who will be speaking on your behalf? Uh, Madam President, before I say my speakers, um, when it comes to the vote, uh, our alternate delegate, Ninetta Garner, will be casting thank our you. affiliate vote. Um, my speeches will be first Susan Glass from California, and second will be Paul Edwards from Florida. Thank you. All right. So we will proceed with Donna's speakers. I recognize Susan Glass. Thank you very much, Madam President. I am honored and privileged to speak on behalf of Ms. Donna Brown, who is eminently qualified to serve on the ACB Board of Publications. Donna Brown joined ACB in 1987, and she has been an active member ever since. For the last three years, she has served as chairwoman for the Brenda Dillon Memorial Walk, which, as you know, requires one to understand the overall ACB landscape to oversee many constituents and coordinate their actions in a unified, effective way. Donna has done this. She is an active member of the Audio Description Project Beatty, that's Benefits of Audio Description in Education Task Force, which you heard about yesterday in just yesterday's general session. And in fact, she was our strongest recruiter of contest entrants. She is president of the ACB West Virginia State Affiliate and currently edits its newsletter and runs its Twitter feed. An educator par excellence, she has taught at the West Virginia School for the Blind for the past 34 years, where she also serves as a technology integration specialist. She serves on the board of the American Association of Blind Teachers. She is a triathlon athlete. All of these endeavors require enormous self-discipline, accountability, and steadfast commitment, Donna Brown will bring all of these qualities to the Board of Publications. I recommend that you vote for Donna Brown. Thank you so much. 
All right. Paul Edwards, you have three minutes. We're in the middle of the speeches. I will not recognize anyone except Paul Edwards. Thank you. Three minutes. Thank you, Madam President. I probably won't use all the three minutes because Susan Glass has done a very good job of enumerating many of the qualities that Donna brings to uh, the Board of Publications. I want to talk about four additional things that, that haven't been spoken of. One of those is the fact that Donna is, is well-grounded in terms of a Christian faith. She is a Sunday school coordinator, which, uh, but is also a coach at school. So all of her time that isn't spent on ACB and West Virginia's activities is spent working with kids and working to further the interests of uh, trying to make us feel a little bit better about ourselves and who we are. In addition, I want to comment on the fact uh, that Donna, in everything that I've worked with her on, has had tremendous follow-through. That is, whenever Donna is asked to do a job, she does it appropriately. She's a good communicator, uh, an, an excellent uh, leader, uh, a capable person, and I think would make a superb candidate for the Board of Publication, and I urge your support. All right. Thank you very much. All right. So we will now proceed. The doors will be closed again, and we will proceed to the distribution of ballots. Mark, do we have another resolution we can do? We're ready to go. Okay, make sure, double check on doors. Thank you. Shut it! <laughs> double check those doors. Would you close the door? Yes. Another one will not open until I say so. <laughs> Crack that whip. Are we ready? We're ready. Uh, this one is about the ven another vending-related resolution. Whereas vending machines remain an integral component of the food service facility industry generally and the business enterprise program uh, especially, and whereas vending machines provide an array of food and beverage uh, choices. Of course they do. Why? What else would they do? Uh, and whereas vending machines have become largely inaccessible both to customers with vision loss and to operators who are blind or visually impaired seeking to obtain data that these vending machines display. And whereas it is long past time, given the state of existing technology, that vending machine manufacturers make these machines fully accessible both to customers with vision loss and to business enterprise program BEP facility operators. Now, therefore, be it resolved this that this organization, along with its affiliate, Randolph Shepard Vendors of America, RSVA, urges in the strongest terms possible 
that vending manufacturers and vending machine operators work together to make these vending machines fully accessible to consumers and operators who are blind or who have low vision. And be it further resolved that this organization offer manufacturers the assistance of the ACB Information Access Committee in achieving the goals of this resolution in the most expeditious manner possible. And be it further resolved uh, that in the event that vending machine manufacturers are unwilling to enter into meaningful negotiations with uh, with vendors or their representatives concerning the accessibility of vending machines, this organization is hereby urged to intervene to take uh, steps that are likely to advance the goals of this resolution. And we recommend they do pass, and I so move. Is there a second? Thank you. All right. Okay. Um, pause on the resolution for a moment. And do you, anyone who does not have a ballot, raise your hand. Anyone who does not have a ballot, raise your hand. Okay. Last call. Looks, looks like everyone has a ballot. All right. Keep that pause button down on the, on the resolution. All right. All right. So we have two candidates, and these are your ballot instructions to vote for Fred Scheigert, remove one corner. To vote for Donna Brown, remove two corners. All right, so cast your ballots. Remove one or two corners. Everybody, let me repeat that. One corner, Fred Scheigert. Two corners, Donna Brown. Okay? All right. The collectors are going to begin to collect the ballots. And you can release your pause button, Mr. Reichert. And uh, I think you need to take a vote, madam. Ah, well, that is true. We were... All right. We're so on. we had a resolution about vending, vending machine. machines. All those in favor of this resolution signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion's carried. There's only 100% you know, experience from every single one of this, us in this room with inaccessible vending machines. Except that my very first convention, I was amazed to see that every vending machine in the hotel was, was labeled. labeled in and grand. somebody said, there's this woman named, and I thought they were, I said, it's someone named Butter? What? What? <laughs> no. No, a woman named Marjorie. Let's hear it from Marjorie Beeman, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. Before there were kiosks, before there were, before there were right. touch screens, there, there was, was Marjorie. <laughs> Making things one? accessible for us. Are we ready? Yes. Okay, here comes another one. This is okay. sort of in the same vein. What? Hold on. Hold on. We're going to get close here. All right. Collecting the ballots. I know they're still running around, so I'll go ahead and let Mark read the resolution. Oh, good. Um, and then I'll check in after that. Okay. This is another one about accessibility of such things. 
And whereas the nature of in-person retail commerce is changing dramatically uh, due to due in large part to the introduction of kiosks, robots, scanners, interactive machines, point-of-sale POS machines, information terminals, apps, and other similar technologies and modalities that eliminate the need for human intermediaries in the traditional relationship between customer and proprietor. And whereas many of these new interactive systems, such as these utilize, those, utilize, those utilizing kiosks for selecting and ordering food or other products and services, have been designed and implemented without attention to their accessibility and usability to customers with vision loss. And whereas even if auxiliary aids and services offered in lieu of the native accessibility of such self-service technologies, such as uh, in, inferior, uh, such as the inferior, this, excuse me, this inferior approach cannot yield an equal experience to that enjoyed and expected by all customers. Uh, now, therefore, be it resolved that this organization believes that the growing inaccessibility of stores, restaurants, places of entertainment, and other public accommodations represents a threat to the civil rights and continuing advancement toward equality of Americans who are blind or visually impaired. And be it further resolved that this organization will redouble its advocacy efforts in the arena of kiosk-dependent interaction with places of public accommodation to include, as appropriate, structured negotiation, state-level legislative activity, federal enforcement uh, actions, media outreach, and direct relationship building with leading stakeholder organizations. And we most definitely recommend a do pass, and I so move. All right. So a motion's been made and seconded. Let me ask the question, does anyone still have a ballot in their hand? Okay. They're still out there. They're collecting. So we have a motion on the floor. President Charlson, uh, Dan Spoon never got a ballot. Oh, that's why he's waving his hand. Sorry. We didn't know why. All right. Yeah. So, um, okay. Um, Nancy's coming to speak with you, Dan. We, all the ballots have been collected. But we've distributed them. So I did call for anyone. Stop that. My dog is yelling at me. <laughs> the dogs are saying hello. All right, they're still collecting the ballots. So, uh, I would, I, I don't, it's not my role to want to disenfranchise anyone, but I did call and ask if anyone, you know, still needed a ballot. So I, we, ha we have to pay attention both ways. So, all right. 
We're still collecting. Do people still have ballots in their hands? All right. Does anyone still have a ballot in their hand? They need to turn in. I am not hearing that we have that. So, spotters, are you finished collecting ballots? Yes. All right. Thank you. Okay. Well, let me figure out where we were before. Thank you. Okay. All right. We were ready to vote upon or discuss the resolution that was read. And I think we'll proceed to a vote. All those in favor of the resolution, say aye. Aye. Opposed? Thank you. All right. The resolution is adopted. All right. So while they're finalizing the count, um, we have a designated team that is doing that. Roll call. That's right. That's what we... Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm ready ready to go. I was expecting that pretty soon um, Ray was going to poke me in the side or something. (laughs) I was just waiting patiently. (laughs) Mr. Secretary, please call the roll. Okay. Here we go. Alabama. What? What do I need to wait for? Okay, well, I'll do that. Just got to what? <laughs> Need to wait for Nancy to get in her chair. Oh, oh, that's why. Nancy's the person yeah. that yeah. Yeah. records yeah. your uh, roll call votes. Yep. So, so if I. she's not in her chair, we're in trouble. So, yeah. got that. Got that. Are we ready, Nancy? Okay. All okay, right. Here we go. Alabama, seven votes. Alabama cast seven votes for Donna Brown. Seven, Brown. Arizona, three votes. Arizona cast three votes for Donna Brown. Three, Brown. Arkansas, three. Three. Three votes for Donna Brown. Three, Brown. California, 20. Let me get on the mic. Hold on. California, 25. Arkansas and I were doing a dance. Um, (laughs) 23.5 for Donna Brown, 1.5 for Shiger. 1.5 Shiger. 23.5, 23.5, Brown. Delaware, one. One vote, Donna Brown. One, Brown. D.C., two. District of Columbia, two votes, Brown. Two, Brown. Florida, 25. Florida, 18, Shigert, seven, Brown. 18, Shigert, seven, Brown. Georgia, seven. Uh, sorry, Donna, uh, seven votes, Donna Brown, five, Shiger, two. Okay, let me get up. Okay. So, okay, two, Shiger, five, Brown, correct? Okay. Hawaii, three. Three, Fred. Okay, three, Shiger. Illinois, three. Three, Brown. Three, Brown. Indiana, eight. Indiana, 7.5 Brown, 0.5 Shigert. 7.5 Shigert, 7.5 Brown. Yes. Iowa, four. 3.5 Donna. 
Uh, 0.5 Fred. Um, give me that one more time, Kerry. 3.5 for Donna. Mm -hmm. 0.5 Fred. Uh, three point or four point five Shiger, three point five Brown. Right. Kansas four. Kansas one Shiger, three Brown. One Shiger, three Brown. Bluegrass four. Bluegrass cast three for Donna Brown and one for Fred Shiger. One Shiger, three Brown. Kentucky twelve. KCB votes six Brown six Shiger. Six Brown, uh, Shigert, six Brown. Louisiana, four. Four Brown. Okay, get that in the right column. Four Brown. Maine, two. ACB of Maine, two votes. And the third and final call, ACB of Maine, two votes. Okay. Maryland, two votes. Maryland casts two votes. Donna Brown. Two Brown. Bay State, seven. Bay State Council of Blind will cast six votes for Donna and one for Fred. One Shigert, six Brown. Michigan, five. Michigan casts two and a half Shigert, two and a half Brown. Sure, I got the numbers right. Okay, 2.5 Shiger, 2.5 Brown. Minnesota, three. This is Marion Hasselrood, alternate delegate. I, mm -hmm. Minnesota votes three Brown. Okay, three Brown. Mississippi, four. Mississippi cast four votes for Donna Brown. Four Brown. Missouri, 25. Missouri cast 25 votes for Donna Brown. 25 Brown. Montana, two. Montana, two for Brown. Two Brown. Nebraska, one. Unable to make up its mind, Nebraska, 0.5 Shigert, 0.5 Brown. 0.5 Shigert, 0.5 Brown. Nevada, four. Nevada votes four for Brown. Four Brown. New York seven. New York three point five Shiger three point five Brown. Okay, three point five Shiger three point five Brown. North Carolina six. Six votes for Brown. Six Brown. North Dakota eight. North Dakota eight Brown. Eight Brown. Ohio, eight. Two Shigert, six Brown. Two Shigert, six Brown. Oklahoma, 21. 21 Brown. 21 Brown. Oregon, six. Oregon, three for Shigert, three for Brown. Three Shigert, three Brown. Pennsylvania, 12. Pennsylvania, 12, Brown. 12, Brown. South Dakota, uh, three. South Dakota, three South votes. South Dakota, three votes, Brown. 
3, Brown. Tennessee, 7. Tennessee, 6.5, Brown. 0.5, Shigert. 0.5, Shigert. 6.5, Brown. Excuse me. Texas, 14. Texas, 12, Brown. 2, Shigert. 2, Shigert. Excuse me. 12, Brown. Utah, 25. Utah did math correctly this time. <laughs> 17 Brown, 8 Shigert. 8 Shigert, 17 Brown. Virginia, 2. 2 for Brown. 2 Brown. Washington, 16. 3 Brown, 13. Or 3 Shigert, 13 Brown. Okay, three, Shigert, 13, Brown. <clears throat> Mountain State, two. Mountain State has two votes for Brown. Two, Brown. Wisconsin, one. Wisconsin, one vote for Brown. One, Brown. Wyoming, two. Two for Brown. Two, Brown. AAVL, one. AAVL, one vote for Brown. One Brown. Teachers, two. Teachers, two votes, Brown. Two Brown. Attorneys, two. American Association of Visually Impaired Attorneys cast one for Shigert, one for Brown. One Shigert, one Brown. Diabetics, three. Diabetics proudly cast their three votes for Brown. Three Brown. Families, two. Two Brown. Two Brown. Government employees, one. Government employees, one vote, Brown. One Brown. Lions, two. Point five Shigert, 1.5 Brown. Point uh, five Lion Fred Shigert. Um, 1.5 Brown. Radio Amateurs, one. Radio Amateurs, one vote Brown. One Brown. Uh, students, two. ACB students, two votes. One Shigert, one Brown. Okay. One Shigert, one Brown. Bits, four. Bits will vote for four, Brown. Four, Brown. Blind Pride, five. Blind Pride, five votes. And for a third and final call, Blind Pride, five votes. Moving on. BRL, eight. Braille Revival League casts its eight votes for Donna Brown. Eight Brown. CCLVI, 11. CCLVI, seven for Shigert, four for Brown. Seven Shigert, four Brown. Friends in Art, two. Friends in Art, two votes, Brown. Two Brown. Got GDUI, 19. GDUI, two votes for Shigert, 17 for Brown. 
Two, Shigert, 17, Brown. Ivy, two. Ivy casts 0.5 for Fred Shigert and 1.5 for Donna Brown. Uh, point, 0.5 Shigert, 1.5 Brown. Lua, four. 0.5 votes for Shigert, 3.5 votes for Donna Brown. 0.5 Shigert, 3.5 Brown. Vendors, 22. Vendors, 22 for Donna Brown. Vendors, uh, 22 Brown. Veterans, 2. Veterans, 1 Shiver, 1 Brown. 1 Shigert, 1 Brown. Madam President, that completes roll call. Thank you, Mr. Secretary. Thank you. And while they're doing the final calculations, I just want to make a special thank you to the volunteers. Um, most of them are young teenagers. And this is an example of democracy in process, um, civic engagement and responsibilities. So thank you for helping us cast our secret ballots to elect our officers for our organization. It's much appreciated. All right. So um, we will have door prizes. If you all cooperate, as I anticipate you will, we will... Um, we will have constitution and bylaws, then we will have door prizes, and we will finish up about three or four remaining resolutions, and then we will be done. All right? Does that work for everybody? Hey. All right, let me check on the results of the election. We're, we're, the doors are not closed anymore, so while we would like you to stay, you are free to leave and do as you wish. All right, so I'm going to recognize Nancy Becker to give the results of the election. Okay, so grand total for Fred Scheigert was 120 votes. Donna Brown was 529. So the percentage was were 18.5% for Fred Scheigert, 81.5% for Donna Brown. The affiliate votes, 73 for Fred Scheigert, 325 for Donna Brown. The vote count... It's 47 for Fred Scheigert and 204 for Donna Brown. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Congratulations, Donna. Are you at a mic? Yes, I am. Thank you. I, I know it's hard for people to believe, but I'm just about speechless. <laughs> um, I, I, I want to thank all of you for your... Uh, vote of confidence in me, and I will certainly try to do everything I can to serve this organization on the Board of Publications. I also want to um, thank Fred Jiger for his willingness to serve in the organization and, and for um, making this a race, and, and I'm here for all of you. Thank you.
Thank you, Donna. Is there anyone else at a microphone? Yes. Madam President, is this, is this an okay time to try to make an announcement not related to the election? Almost, perhaps. Okay. Just, just give me the cue when. <laughs> stay, stay nearby. All right. All right. Fred, are you at a mic, or can we just express to you our appreciation? All right. Go ahead, Fred. Uh, yes, here I am. Uh, and I, I appreciate the votes of uh, those who voted for me, and, well, I'll try again in the future. Thank you. Thank you, Fred. Thank you. All right. The lady at the microphone, can you identify yourself? Amber Steet, Inland Empire Chapter of California Council of the Blind. Go ahead. Okay. How's everybody feeling this morning? <laughs> I know we're all tired, but maybe this will kind of take out some of the tedium. Um, I know this is a long session, but, you know... We gotta, we gotta get it done. So, I like to thank everybody for just kind of doing their part. But now to the meat of my own announcement. So last night I placed an ad in the paper for a potential group I'd like to form. That's for science enthusiasts. So that's anybody who's into physics, chemistry, anything like that, as well as energetic medicine or any of those kind of fringe field, what we might call fringe fields of science. So. In the ad, it says to contact me, and it lists my phone number and email. Now, I have the feeling that somewhere along the way, someone is going to try to text me, which that's not going to work because I can't read texts on my phone. So if you'd like to respond to the ad, please either call or email. Would anybody like me to repeat the phone number and email that's in the ad, or does everybody have it already who wants it? I think, I think it was distributed pretty far and wide, so okay. we'll take it from there. Cool. All right, so Madam thank President. you. I'm going to not take any announcements right now. We're going to move on to Constitution and Bylaws for the gentleman who I have postponed more times than I can even count to this today and this whole week. John, you can really believe me this time. The microphone <laughs> is yours. Well, this means I have to read at them before they eat lunch. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The first proposal which we are bringing forward for a second reading um, is the one concerning dues collection. The proposal, if adopted, would rewrite the entire section, and that is uh, section A. to eliminate dues procedures which have, for the most part, been abandoned and to officially sanction the use of the affiliate member management system. The current language reads as follows. Uh, I should have been more specific. We're talking uh, about... Bylaw 2, Section A. Section A currently reads as follows. Postmarked by January the 15th of each year, the national office shall forward to each member at large written notice of the due date for annual member dues. 
postmarked by January the 15th of each year, the national office shall forward to each affiliate a computer printout containing notification of the due date for mailing dues and a copy of the most recent membership list filed with the national office. The affiliate shall verify this list and to make appropriate uh, additions, deletions, and or corrections. This verification shall be noted on the printout itself. The affiliate shall address the envelope containing the current membership information uh, accompanied by its annual dues to the national office and shall deposit and shall deposit it in the United States mail, postage prepaid, or any service providing certified receipt on or before March 15. Compliance with this provision has occurred when supported by evidence um, satisfactory to the Credentials Committee. The number of votes which an affiliate is entitled, which entitled to cast at a conference and convention shall be computed based on the March 15th membership information and dues mailed as specified above. If the March membership information and dues mailed disagree as to the number of the affiliates voting members, the lower number shall be used provided that that lower number include, that that lower number reflects the inclusion of the affiliates ACB Life members. An affiliate may amend its March 15 memberships information at any time during the year and shall remit dues as appropriate to allow individual new members to vote at the conference and convention. If an affiliate makes no changes in its March list for three consecutive years, the board of directors shall require a complete recertification of the affiliates voting members. If an affiliate fails to comply with this section, the first year of non-compliance may result in diminished voting privileges and the second consecutive year of non-compliance may result in revocation of the affiliates charter by a two-thirds affiliate by a two-thirds affirmative vote of the Board of Directors. Section B is, reprinted, is printed here and simply reads um, the, secret com the secret ballot component of a record vote shall be conducted by the use 
of a paper of a paper ballot for each certified member. Okay, that's the current that's the current language. Now, if this proposal were to be approved, the new bylaw two section A would read as follows: A, by December the fifteenth of each year, the national office shall forward to each member at large written notice of the due date and amount for annual membership dues. A new section B, by December the 15th of each year, the national office shall forward to each affiliate notice of the start of the annual membership certification process. Each affiliate shall make additions, deletions, and changes in its membership data and certify its annual membership count in accordance with such procedure as shall be established by the ACB Board of Directors, which, proce which procedure shall be published to the membership. Affiliate dues shall likewise be remitted in accordance with the established certification procedure. An, aff an affiliate may certify members at any time except, one, during such time as the affiliate membership count is being processed by, the, by ACB staff, for the purpose of um, computing the correct amount of, of affiliate dues, and two, no new members may be certified after the established record date for an annual conference and convention until the conclusion of that convention. A new section C. Compliance with the certification process has occurred if supported by evidence satisfactory to the Credentials Committee. The number of affiliate votes which an affiliate is entitled to cast at a conference and convention shall be computed based on the number of members certified by the affiliate. If an affiliate makes no change in its membership data for, th for three consecutive years, the Board of Directors shall require a complete recertification of the affiliate's voting members. If an affiliate fails to comply with this section, the first year of noncompliance may result in diminished voting privileges And the second year, the second consecutive year of noncompliance may result in the revocation of the affiliate's charter by a two-thirds affirmative vote of the Board of Directors. And then the proposal concludes with the notation that um, if adopted, this proposal would rede redesignate the current Section B as Section D with no... With 
leaving current, lang leaving current language intact. Mr. President, this um, proposal comes from the Constitution and bylaws with a um, due pass recommendation, and I so move. So a motion's been made and seconded to approve this change to the bylaw. Is there any discussion? Hearing none, all those in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Thank you. This really cleans up our bylaws as far as our process goes, so thank you. John? The final proposal that we have to bring forward is uh, much shorter than what I just waded through. So <laughs> if, with your indulgence, I will proceed to bring that one forward as well. This proposal would amend Bylaw 3, Section E, by rewriting the entire section to uh, eliminate dues collections procedures which have, for the most part, already been abandoned, and to officially sanction the affiliate membership management, the use of the affiliate ma membership management system. This would be in conjunction with the proposed amendment um, to 2017-1, uh, which you have just approved. Okay, section E. The current language reads as follows. All annual dues shall be made to the national office on or before March 15th, on or before March the 15th. All annual dues shall cover the calendar year. The proposed change would now have section E reading the national office shall compute the amount of annual dues to be paid um, by each affiliate based on the number of, mem of members certified with no, with no annual dues assessed for ACB Life members. The national office shall forward no notice to each affiliate of the amount of annual dues to be remitted in accordance with the procedures referenced in bylaw 2. All annual dues shall cover the calendar year. And Madam President, once again, this proposal comes before the body uh, with a due pass recommendation from the Constitution and Bylaws Committee, and I so move. The motion's been made and seconded to adopt this bylaw change. Any discussion? Hearing none, all those in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? The bylaw is approved. John. And Madam President, yes. if I may um, enjoy a moment of personal privilege, I would like to take the time to, uh, fast to uh, recognize the other members of the, con of the current Constitution and Bylaws Committee. They are Jay Bader. His, uh, his area code lives in Florida, but I'm not sure if he still lives with it or not. Uh, Frank Cuda from Washington. <laughs> Noisy bunch over there. <laughs> uh, Janelle Edwards from Missouri. Betsy Grenovich from Georgia. Richard Johnson from Wisconsin. John McCann, who now resides in uh, Arizona. Chris Prentice from Texas. 
And last, but by no means least, we could not have done our work without the input of our, off, our officer liaison, Mitch Pomerantz, and our staff liaison, Mr. Eric Bridges. Thank you all. Thank you, John, and thank you to your committee for some hard but very important work for our organization. And I personally want to thank John because, as you remember, I tapped him to do double duty, and he served as uh, interim chair of the Credentials Committee here at the convention as well. So, John, thank you for being my go-to guy this year. I appreciate it. My privilege, Madam President. <laughs> I believe I promised all of you some door prizes when we finished bylaws and constitutional changes. So, by, um, door prize team, we are ready. Our resolutions guy is getting ready. He's warming up the computer. And we, we have and a microphone. And the door prizes are here. Good afternoon, everyone. Hello. Hi. The first prize is another T-shirt and can of cocoa to warm us up for, for Sharon Lovering. Oh. Sharon Lovering? Yeah, She's... Sharon Lovering. Is she here? She, well, she's going to get she, it. She, she is here. We know how hard Sharon works for all of us. Give Thank it to you. Her. Give it We're going to her. give that to Sharon. <laughs> okay. The next thing. Okay. The next prize is candy and, uh, candy and a basket of goodies from the ACB Capital for Herbert, Herbert Rito. Herbert Rito. I don't think okay. so. Nope. Not here. Uh, Yay, Wendy Shell Walker. Is she here? No? Must <laughs> oh, well, I wish she was with the darn. greeting you gave her. <laughs> yeah, she's a member of our delegation. Oh, she's not here. Laurie Ellison. Yes. <laughs> All right. I'm pretty sure she's here, and she's one of our J.P. Morgan fellows. So. Okay. And where do you think she's from? Washington, Washington. State. <laughs> okay, we have another re recipe cookbook and $20 cash prize from the ACBI, it looks like. Oh, sorry. Indiana. Hey, Indiana. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> and that's Julie. Julie Begbie. I don't think she's here. No. Hang on. <laughs> Jean Marie Moore. She Alrighty is here. Then. Okay. She's still away. She's close to the front, I think. She is here. Okay. That's it for now. Oregon. <laughs> She's in the Oregon delegation, and she's standing up. All right. Is that it, or do you have another one for us? No, that's, that's it. it. That's it. I know. We're a greedy bench. We'd like a whole yeah, bunch I more. Know, but, but, you know, <laughs> we're we gonna need have more donations. <laughs> four tonight at the banquet. Just set aside special for all of you who are going to be at the banquet. So 
Now I'm going to recognize Mark Reichert. Ladies and gentlemen, at least once a year, there's a resolution, not that so much controversial as much as unbelievably long, and that makes your poor resolutions committee chair experience male pattern baldness prematurely. <laughs> and this uh, is one of them. It's an important issue because it's about accessible pedestrian signals. But those of you who are veterans of this organization know that it is a Herculean task to read. All I would say to you is, even though we don't like these long ones, it's important to get this stuff in black and white. It certainly is important for the advocates of this resolution. So while you're going to be frustrated to listen to it, know that it's for a good cause. How's that? Okay? Whereas accessible pedestrian signals, APSs, should be installed at every intersection where <clears throat> a non-accessible pedestrian signal exists as a matter of our right to effective communication as required by Title II of the Americans with Disabilities Act, ADA, Section 504 of the Rehabilitation Act, and the Architectural Barriers Act. And whereas for more than <clears throat> 30 years, the American Council of the Blind, ACB, in partnership with other organizations for the blind has advocated for and commented on proposed federal regulations to mandate the installation, placement, and accessibility features of APSs used by pedestrians who are blind or visually impaired or have dual sensory impairments. And whereas, despite ACB's efforts, no federal regulations have been issued to mandate the installation of APSs. None of them have been, that's terrible. And whereas since 1992, the U.S. Access Board has been working toward the development of guidelines for accessible pedestrian facilities in the public rights of way guidelines, or PROAG, <coughs> and whereas the most recent draft of PROAG which is the, oh dear, uh, uh, whoops, here we go, which is 36 CFR Part 1190, document number ATBCB 2011-04, uh, was issued on J January 26, 2011, which mandates, uh, and oh dear, here comes a fun part. This is a quotation, friends. R201.1 scope. All newly constructed facilities, altered, altered portions of existing facilities, and elements added to existing facilities for pedestrian uh, circulation and use located in the public right-of-way shall comply with the requirements in this document. Another section, R209.1, general, where pedestrian signals are provided at pedestrian street crossings, they shall include accessible pedestrian signals and pedestrian push buttons complying with sections 4E.08 through 4E.13 uh, of the Manual on Uniform Traffic Control Devices, or MUTCD, incorporated by reference CR104.2. Yep, there's hair falling out here, friends. I'm, hair is coming out of my head onto this braille. Uh, here we go. Approval part, well, I don't know what that even is. 
Okay, got it. Operable parts shall comply with R403.403. Uh, <laughs> and R209.2 uh, by uh, alterations is the name of form. Existing, guys, this actually reads really well in print. It's just a pain in the rear to read. Existing pedestrian signals shall comply with R209.1 when the signal uh, controller and software are altered or the signal head is replaced. Uh, your resolution's head might be replaced if we read another one of these. <laughs> Whereas PROAG does not apply to existing pedestrian signals except those portions that are altered. And whereas the guidelines do not require intersections to be signalized for pedestrians, except at certain roundabouts and uh, channelized turn lanes. And whereas in PROAG, uh, whereas when PROAG is adopted by the U.S. Departments of Justice and Transportation, it will become a legally enforceable standard under Title II of the Americans with Disabilities Act. And whereas the, issuing, whereas the issuing of PROAG by the U.S. Access Board and its possible future adoption by the U.S. Departments of Justice and Transportation is now uncertain. This is the core of it, guys, okay? So now listen up is now uncertain as a result of Executive Order 13771 of January 30th, 2017, which is entitled Reducing Regulatory and Controlling Regulatory Costs. Reducing Regulations and Controlling Regulatory Costs. Uh, requires that thing that Trump signed, requires any executive department or agency to repeal two existing regulations for every one regulation, and to do so in such a way that the total cost of regulations does not increase. And whereas the U.S. Access Board has not yet identified two existing guidelines to be repealed uh, as a uh, precondition to issuing PROAG as a final rule, uh, as a final rule, in order for the board to forward it to the U.S. Departments of Justice and Transportation to begin the legal standards adoption process. And whereas the only viable short-term option that might be available at this time for ACB is to request the Federal Highway Administration of the U.S. Department of Transportation to Strengthen the APS provisions found in sections 4E.08 through 4E.13 of the MUTCD 2009 edition. Keep a copy of that on your bedside table. You will never have a problem sleeping again. Now, therefore, be it resolved that this organization directs its staff to contact the National Committee on Uniform Traffic Control devices, or NCUTCD, to inquire as to the process for amending the MUTCD because that committee is authorized to recommend to the Federal Highway, uh, the FH, 
WA any proposed revisions to and interpretations of the MUTCD and be it further resolved that ACB solicit uh, participation from other organizations of and for the blind and who and low vision to assist in strengthening sections 4E.08 through 4E.13 of the MUTCD. And be it for the result that ACB staff and the Environmental Access Committee prepare amendments for the MUTCD that are to be submitted to the NCUTCD for its consideration. Friends, we recommend a due pass, but I also want to tell you that um, a number of us in the committee are going to be recommending a number of recommendations for the president and board to consider moving forward on the resolutions process. And I can honestly tell you that one of them is going to be that we never again have to do these position paper-like kinds of things, okay? It's just my personal feeling. All right. uh, and we uh, so move uh, uh, due pass. And and the committee so moves. Excuse me, I have There's a question. Seconds. Excuse All right. me, I have a question, please. Hold on, hold on. Don't get worked up. We're coming. Okay. All right, now we're going to um, have discussion, and I recognize the lady at the microphone who will identify herself. Okay. My name is Lupi Medrano from Silicon Valley Council of the Blind, and I just wanted to ask, if passed, would this also mandate for the buttons to be low enough for wheelchair accessibility? I, okay, um, I don't know. I okay. would think that the height of the buttons was already mandated. Okay. But um, I am not an expert. This was crafted by experts, but they are not here. So of course. Um, we will take that under advisement and try to find that out later on. It does not impact this resolution per se. Madam, Madam President. Um, is that John That's McCann? That's John from Thank Arizona. You. Yeah, it is. Editorial but important. I believe that the correct citation for the executive order is 13777, not one. I'm not sure. Please, you know, verify that before this gets enshrined. But that's my only point. We'll make sure. Right. Yes. That will be double-checked. It says 13771. Any, any further discussion or question, please be at a microphone to ask a question. Oh, can someone help the lady at the microphone? She's short. She's in a wheelchair. She's in a wheelchair. So if we could get some support over there, that would be great. Okay. I'm Kathy Benilla from Silicon Valley Council of the Blind in Mountain, uh, Mountain View. Uh, what my concern is that I'm in a wheelchair. Sometimes it's not low enough, but one of the problems that wasn't concern, uh, is a concern, the cement is so far away that I can't push the button the cement that they put underneath. And being so short, I, I can't reach it. I, I have this problem right near my house. Yeah. Well, you've got a good chapter in your area, and they should work with you to advocate to fix that. Um, but we will absolutely take that. The, um, the national standards are quite complex. I can't Pat imagine Sheehan. there's Madam too President many people in this room that, that know that. But, Pat Sheehan. Yeah, Madam um, President, Mitch Pomerantz. So, thank you. Thank you. So, 
So I would, I would ask your chapter and your state affiliate to help you with that issue because that's... Pat Sheehan. Um, I'm going to recognize Pat and then I'll recognize Mitch. Very good. Thank you. These are some of the questions. This is Pat Sheehan and with environmental access. These are some of the questions that environmental access is um, wrestling with. Working with the MUTCD, these are exactly the kinds of provisions that we're trying to bring forward, make sure that they are articulated within the MUTCD where APSs are installed, how they're used, how they're positioned, what the heights are, and the uh, locality of the tones are all things that we need to uh, take a look at. Understand what Mark Reichert said concerning all the um, citations. Uh, that just confuses the issue. The issue here is APSs making them available, making them uh, accessible, and making them uniform. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Frank Welty with a point of inquiry. Okay, I'm going to recognize Mitch, and then I'll recognize Frank. The issue of the distance between the curb ramp and where the pedestrian or where the pad head is located is is in concrete, literally and figuratively. It is in yes. the Title ADA regulations. Kathy, your only recourse is to address uh, the state regulations. Um, because it is it is a serious issue, and uh, but but it can't you know until the ADA comes up for any kind of uh, reauthorization, and we don't want that to happen for a while. Uh, it it can only really be dealt with on a state level if the state were willing to reduce the distance between where the ped head is located, where you push the button, and where the crosswalk and curb ramp actually is located. Thank you. I'll recognize Frank Welty. I have to tell you that in my 22 years of attending ACB conventions that this must be the most opaque language I've ever seen in a resolution. Will somebody please tell me in a sentence or two what this thing actually does? So this is Mark. The bottom line is that there's all this material and work that's been going on really as far back as at least 1992. And while we've been waiting forever and a day for this material to emerge, now it looks like in our proverbial 11th hour that the current administration which has been threatening to tear away regulations, tear down some regulations, make you throw out uh, whatever they do, two for every one new one that they want to do, that that could potentially interfere with this uh, stuff that we've been talking about moving forward. And the resolves all get us on board saying we don't want that to happen and we need to work with people to make sure that we can move forward. All right. Is there any further discussion? Hearing none... We're going to move to the vote on the resolution. All those in support of this resolution, say aye. aye. Opposed? The resolution is adopted. Thank, Thank you very you. much. This next, these, we have very few more to go, so we're going to get out of here pretty soon, so it, it, life gets better. This one <laughs> is on technology and uh, how important it is and hopefully what we can all do about getting more of it. Uh, whereas the Americans with Disabilities Act pro... Uh, promised to unequivocally remove barriers to full inclusion in our society for people who are blind or who have low vision, as well as for other people with disabilities. And whereas, in spite of this hope, there has not been significant commitment on the part of any of the federal administrations who have led our nation to remove barriers that limit full inclusion for people who are blind or who have low vision. And whereas it is generally recognized that 
the group of uh, people who have got who have gotten the least from the Americans with Disabilities Act are people who are blind or who have low vision, and whereas people who are deaf benefited substantially from the ADA since it required the expenditure of funds that have clearly exceeded a billion dollars to create a communication uh, infrastructure that revolutionized their inclusion in our society. And whereas we have reached a place in the evolution of technology where the same opportunity to fundamentally impact the lives of people who are blind or who have low vision that exists for people who are deaf at the time of the pass existed at the time of the passage of the existing uh, of the ADA exists now today. And whereas among other emerging technologies accessible pedestrian signals, methods for indoor and outdoor electronic signage and landmarks, advanced accessible GPS systems, cameras mounted in glasses which can provide information verbally about the environment uh, around the person using them, and complex systems based on wearable glass and other technology which allow for remotely provided direct assistance provided by persons who can see through the wearable glasses worn by the user. And whereas, in addition, there is an, uh, an immense quantity of information available on the internet that uh, with sufficient training and preparedness could enable people who are visually impaired or blind to obtain a level of independence and self-sufficiency undreamt of until now. And whereas the emergence of self-driving cars further enhances the probability of substantially increased independence for people who are blind or who have low vision, now, therefore, be it resolved that this organization hereby calls upon our federal government to allocate sufficient funds to, among other things, accomplish the following. Number one, allocate sufficient funds to provide accessible pedestrian signals in all communities. Number two, allocate sufficient funds to support the deployment and uh, the deployment of indoor indicators that would enable people who are blind or who have low vision to navigate public buildings independently. Number three, develop and implement a program based on the use of wearable glasses that will enable people who are blind to have the same level of communications with, uh, whoops, communications that is the same level that is available for people who are deaf and hard of hearing and for people who do not have disabilities. Number four, develop and implement a large-scale uh, training initiative that would assure that people who are blind or who have low vision can learn to use the computer uh, hardware and software that makes information access as available to this population as it is to the rest of our society. And number five, allocate substantial funding to assure that the, in, that the eventual release of self-driving vehicles uh, 
will do something, uh, is fully accessible for and usable by people who are blind or who have low vision. And number six, provide a range of training for people who are blind or who have low vision that would enable them to fully take advantage of the opportunities these technologies now make possible. And be it further resolved that the officers, directors, and staff of this organization are hereby directed to make the implementation of the objectives of this resolution a priority. We, of course, recommend a due pass, and I say move. Motion's been made and seconded to approve this resolution. Is there discussion? Hearing none, all those in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? The resolution is adopted. We're cooking with gas. It might seem slowly, but yes, it is surely. Here's one on health care, and this, and this has to do with folks with diabetes. So listen up if you are one of those folk or care about them. Whereas diabetes is a disease which causes high glucose levels in a person's blood, and if the blood sugar level is not controlled, can cause stroke, vision loss, kidney failure, loss, uh, come on, move forward, loss of limbs, neuropathy, uh, coronary failure, uh, arterial problems, and other physical and psychological problems, and is the third leading cause of death in the United States. And whereas in order to control and and maintain normal blood sugar levels, a diabetic has to take blood sugar levels, a a diabetic has to take, it's not advancing, a diabetic has to take uh, oral medication or inject insulin or other similar medications and regularly use uh, glucose measuring devices to test blood sugar levels. And whereas a continuous blood glucose monitor device or CGM which is connected to a diabetic's body by a probe in a diabetic's abdomen area, will enable a person who has diabetes to improve control over blood glucose levels through continuous monitoring and levels, uh, continuous monitoring of levels and by administering timely and appropriate quantities of insulin, thereby avoiding harmful side effects. And whereas a diabetic is required to read displays and replenish insulin levels in a pump, which is often used in conjunction with the CGM device, uh, but there are no CGM devices which are fully accessible to diabetics with vision loss. And whereas only one CGM device is known to be partially accessible to people who are blind or who have low vision uh, via the use of an app on an iOS device such as an iPhone or an iPad, and whereas many people with vision loss cannot afford to purchase an iOS device and have difficulty operating iOS devices, and whereas uh, without fully accessible standalone CGM devices, many blind or visually impaired diabetics will continue to be unable to effectively control their blood sugar levels uh, and continue to be at risk of catastrophic side effects. 
And whereas, alternatively, many diabetics use a glucometer several times a day to, uh, de- whoops, to determine their blood sugar levels. And whereas, while some glucometers are accessible in that after a blood get, uh, after a blood sample is placed in the test strip, the device announces the test results and allows the diabetic with vision loss to check the readings history, set the timer, and perform other functions that sighted diabetics are able to do. Many other glucometers make none of these functions accessible. Uh, and whereas glucometers manu- glucometer manufacturers are not uniformly imp- uh, producing accessible glucometers in spite of the promulgation of standards adopted by the International Standards Organization, ISO, which serve as the roadmap for the integration of universal design into all next-generation biotech products. Uh, And whereas some private health insurers and HMOs only pay for or provide inaccessible Uh, glucometers, meaning that diabetics with vision loss must either incur even more out-of-pocket expenses for the privilege, in quotes, of using accessible glucometers or simply go without accessible devices because they cannot afford them. And whereas compelling a diabetic who is blind or visually impaired to rely on the another person for assistance with the management of their diabetes has inherent limitations and potentially devastating risks. Uh, Now, therefore, be it resolved that in partnership with its affiliate, the American Council of the Blind uh, uh, Diabetics in Action, this organization work aggressively with the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, the United States Congress manufacturers of CGM devices, and glucometer manufacturers to ensure that all such devices are fully accessible to diabetics who are blind or who have low vision. And be it further resolved that such advocacy also include work with leading private insurers and HMOs to ensure that their customers with diabetes who are blind or visually impaired can be provided with accessible devices which truly enable an independent and reliable uh, diabetes management experience. We, of course, recommend a do pass. <laughs> the motion's been made and seconded. Is there discussion? Hearing none, all those in favor of this resolution signify by saying aye. aye. Opposed? Thank you. Resolution is adopted. Thank you, everyone. This uh, we have thank yous to do, which I will most surely keep quick because if you don't think I have to go to the bathroom, you're crazy. Uh, So this is going to be expedited, but we do have one substantive one. And guys, we could argue like cats and dogs about this, but let's have fun with it. Whereas, due to age and unemployment, a large percentage of Americans who are blind or who have low vision. have low incomes and thus use Medicaid for their health care coverage. And whereas it is the goal of the Trump administration and the Republican Congress to repeal and replace the Affordable Care Act, ACA, and whereas 
proposals for this repeal and replacement have included billions of dollars in cuts to the Medicaid program. And whereas it is crucial that any health care reform legislation not diminish coverage for low-income individuals under Medicaid, including individuals who are blind or visually impaired. Now, therefore, be it resolved that this organization oppose health care reform proposals that make it more difficult for persons who are blind or who have low vision to obtain affordable and comprehensive health care coverage. And we recommend a do pass, and I so move. The motion's been made and seconded to approve this resolution. Is there any discussion? Hearing none, all those in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Um, I, too, will exercise the personal privilege because you guys are a captive audience. I mean, I guess you could (laughs) run out, but... And I want to thank the committee. Uh, I've, I've said this several years in a row. I'm going to say it again, whether you want me to or not. Every committee chair in this organization should be lucky enough to have people on the committee that actually, all of them, every last one of them pitch in. You know, some committees, you have a lot of dead wood. We have no dead wood in our committee. And I want to mention the names of our friends who are serving with us on the resolutions committee. And that includes the ladies first, Alice Richard, Jill Noble, uh, Olivia Chavez, and somebody by the name of Kim Charlson serves as our staff liaison. And Deanne uh, She Elliott. never shows up to any meetings. I think maybe we'll... <laughs> Exclude her from the future. <laughs> I'm teased. Don't roll your. I can hear the face, the nose crinkle. Uh, and now the men on the committee: Paul Edwards, Jeff, Tom, John Huffman. John Huffman always deserves an extra pat on the back because he's carrying a lot of crosses at this convention. Uh, Charles Navarrete and uh, Gabe Griffith, a returning member. Uh, and Tony Stevens serves as our staff uh, uh, liaison. Uh, on the committee. I'm sorry, Kim, I said you as a staff liaison. I'm in a board liaison. I apologize. <laughs> but Tony Stevens is, does a great yes. job for us. Let's give them all, please, a round of applause. Yes. Thank you very much for your hard work. With that, Madam President, as is our uh, want, we do our little thank you exercise. And, you know, guys, I know we're all anxious to get out of here, so let's do it quick, but let's take it yes. seriously because these people deserve thanks. The, and Absolutely. we're going to take them all three as a package. The first one has to do with the hotel, whereas it is appropriate that this conference and convention express its thanks and appreciation to our host hotel. Now, therefore, be it resolved that this organization uh, communicate our deep gratitude to the management and staff of the Nugget Casino Resort for their warm welcome and very hard work and commitment to customer service. Let's give them a round of applause. Number two of this three-part package, whereas the strength of the American Council of the Blind lies in each of its individual members and in each of its state and special interest affiliates, now, therefore, be it resolved that this organization express its heartfelt congratulations and thanks to this year's convention host committee and the women and men of the Nevada Council of the Blind for their enthusiastic welcome. Yep, keep going. Untold hours of planning and hard work and the tremendous privilege of bringing our national conference and convention to their home state where the sparks really do fly. (laughs) 
but that just fell like a lead balloon, just straight oh, on that. And finally, but guys, seriously now, um, are there folks in the room who are volunteers still? I wouldn't mind it if the volunteers went off for a bite. <laughs> if you're a volunteer, don't speak up, and I'll know that you're in the room. There's a few. So there's a <laughs> In any case, let's read it. Whereas there is no greater gift to give than uh, service offered, a service to others offered freely, given with a, a generous heart. Now, therefore, be it resolved that this organization warmly embraces and most sincerely thanks each and every individual volunteer who so selflessly and graciously gave of their time and energy, which truly made this year's National Conference and Convention a winning hand. Let's give them that hand, ladies and gentlemen. That's, that's, since they're not in the room, you're going to have to shout a little louder so they can hear it. Yeah. We recommend a do pass, and I sue move on all three of these, Madam President. All right. A motion's been made and seconded on all three resolutions. All those in favor, loudly say aye. Aye. Opposed? None. All those congratulatory resolutions have been adopted. Madam President, that concludes the Resolutions Committee report. (laughs) Yes. Thank you, Mark. And um, for those of you who just can't get enough of Mark Reichert, you have another opportunity, not now, but this evening. Because he and I are going to be your... Masters of Ceremonies. Mark Reichert casts his vote as follows. <laughs> one bourbon, one scotch, one beer. So, all right. So um, be prepared for some entertaining times this evening at our banquet. Um, I want to, again, thank the staff who facilitated our election. I also want to thank... Alicia Batson, our parliamentarian, who's been right by my side, um, giving me guidance, advice, and I wasn't wearing Brian's Google Ira glasses when I was looking around out there to see if anyone's hands were raised. She's a terrific prompter. She provides me a lot of visual information to help facilitate and manage this large room and what's going on with all of you. So I am most appreciative of all of Alicia's assistance and support. Thank you. Um, Yes, uh, Ray Campbell wants to be recognized and you don't have a mic anymore, do you? If you could... um, There we go. There. Uh, Madam Chair, I'm I'm actually asking this on behalf of the uh, chair of the SASE committee, who probably would have if I didn't. For those who are not going to the banquet this evening, what should they do with their assistive listening devices? I was about to say that. but (laughs) (laughs) So anyone not going to the banquet can return their ALDs to the front of the room, the head table. Lane Waters is up here, and we'll make sure they get turned in. So the head up here at the front at the head table. Right side of the stage where the ramp is. All right. Is there any other business to come before this organization at this time? Hearing none, I am going to say that we are officially adjourned until we reconvene in 2018 in St. Louis, Missouri. Goodbye to all. Safe travels home and... 
give one more round of applause for the American Council of the Blind. Okay, that concludes the final general session for the 2017 ACB Conference and Convention. We'll get the replay up here shortly, and we'll have that go all the way until this evening when we have our last event, the ACB Banquet, that will be streamed live, and we'll stream it live on both ACB Radio Mainstream and ACB Radio Live Event. So stay tuned for that. With that, I sign off and... Bid you farewell until we get back to our normal programming on ACB Radio, which will happen this Sunday, because after the banquet, we're going to do a convention roundup, and that will run tomorrow, Saturday, and Sunday. So stay tuned for that. Also, the Friends in Art Showcase is still replaying on the ACB Radio Cafe, so check that out if you haven't already. And we hope you enjoyed the coverage. Bye for now. <laughs>